High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to all of you trying to make that last prom night a special one. And for all of you parents out there who are trying to stop that by any means necessary. This is High School Slumber Party, a podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the slumber party's at my place this evening. It might be remote, but whatever. But before any of that... School's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Always a big shout-out to our essential workers out there. Thank you for all the great work you're doing. Seems like we're opening back up a little bit in the United States, and hopefully around the world as well. And hopefully we do that safely efficiently, but I know here in the U.S. every state more or less is opening up in some place. But we're still here, we're still being homeschooled, and you still got homework. So let's talk about it. First, the usual homework. Did you follow us on Facebook? Did you follow us on Twitter and Instagram? Are you participating? Because class participation is a huge part of your grade, so don't forget to do that. And where are you listening to us right now? Is it on Google Play? Is it on Spotify? Is it on Stitcher? Is it on Apple Podcasts? If you haven't already, if you haven't done this assignment, why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button? And if they do allow it on the app you're listening to, give us a nice little five-star rating. Why don't you write us a nice positive review? And beyond any of that, the best thing you can do to help out High School Slumber Party is by telling a friend that we are bi-weekly and we have fun. A lot of fun here. Tell a friend who you think might enjoy High School Slumber Party. Now the real homework. No, it's not getting John Cusack to unblock us. That's another topic for another day. The real homework. Did you listen to Monday's episode? It was back to Cheer Monday. And it was a good one. It was a Lifetime movie brought, of course, by the great Joe Two from Too Fast, Too Forever, another podcast on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. He was so great. He's always great. I love when he brings us these Lifetime films. And the film, of course, was Identity Theft of a Cheerleader. And he'll be back on our Cheer Monday series. But you'll have to wait for that another Monday. Because this is Friday, and your homework this week was to watch Blockers, a really funny movie, a kind of newer film. I hope you watched it. Our guest today is the resident senior, the substitute teacher, the most tenured man in High School Slumber Party, and that's Mike Manzi. Cannot wait to talk about this film. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa! Where are you going? The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. And I brought the bell home with me. We may be being homeschooled, but we're still going to take this seriously. You don't want to go to summer school again this year, do you? But I am going to keep this short because this is a very long episode. And you'll see why. You'll have the option to opt out of certain parts of the episode. I don't want to give it away too much. But think of it as like you're kind of like Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure right? So, without further ado, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're going to have a sleepover study session via Zoom or house party or all these other things at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. God, I'll never get used to this. I can't wait till we could have our actual slumber parties again. (laughs) So I'm going to leave you with a song from this soundtrack, and it is by Lizzo. It is called Good As Hell. Class dismissed. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Good as hell. Head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Oh, we have to talk about that. I'm excited for this one. I'm pumped. I'm surprised one of them isn't here, (laughs) like just because of that reference, but we'll get to it. Well, before that, let's do our introductions, Mike. It it seems silly Mm -hmm. for you to introduce yourself, but you have to. It's the rule. I know. It's so (laughs) annoying. I should just have like one of those pre-recorded buttons that you push uh, that says all this, but uh, Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 97, go Maroons. That's it, right? Every time Go I'm like, Maroons. every time there's sort of like this pause or like, is there more to that? Did I? <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> just want to make sure it gets in there. So today's film is 2018's Blockers. And history with this film, for myself, I really wanted to see this film. But I, I'm pretty sure I had already started the show when it came out on DVD. Okay. You know, streaming and stuff. And I try not to see high school movies until I'm actually doing them. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I've held off on numerous films for, for that reason. Like, oh, that's going to come up in a year. Like, when I'm doing a podcast, <laughs> might as well wait. And then I watched a movie. I'm like, I'm such an idiot for waiting. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that definitely does happen. You know, I didn't know a lot about this film. I tried to avoid it. I know you said you saw it and you enjoyed it. Um, I know a lot of other people said they enjoyed it as well, so it was something I definitely wanted to do. Maybe you got it mistaken with its original title. I remember it being promoted as Cock Blockers originally. <laughs> Were you aware of this? Like, I mean, the whole push before, I mean, I guess it was right before the first trailer hit or right around the time that this was announced. Like, that was the original title to this movie. And then posters in the cinema, or at, like the multiplex, would have like a um, like a picture of a chicken or a rooster, yeah. like, like a cock, and then the word blockers. And then eventually they just dropped that, and it, I think it just became blockers. So it's funny you mentioned that. 
you know, a little production notes. We're going to take a slight detour in a second, but, you know, you brought it up, so I figured I might as well mention it. The original script was called Cherries. Um, Much and... better name. I, I was thinking, like, Virgin Patrol or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it actually featured three fathers instead ah. of, like, a mother and two fathers. Okay. Same premise. Once Leslie Mann got cast and they decided to switch it up a little bit, they changed the title to The Pact? Which I think sounds a little right. too dramatic or like yeah. a horror movie, you know? Right. Yeah, that sounds like a sequel to Fear. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I don't think they liked that. And only after post-production was it changed to Cock Blockers and then eventually just to Blockers with the Rooster logo. And then after that, they even dropped the Rooster logo because the studios thought it was a little too you know, raunchy, and eventually just yeah. got promoted as blockers without that. So this, <laughs> this film has a long history of title changes for whatever reason. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's just never really made much sense to me because, like, a cock blocker is someone who, like, I guess it's a universal term at this point, right? It doesn't matter what your gender is, you know? So it's, I guess it's a fluid term at this point, so... I guess yeah, it fits yeah, no matter I think, what. I wasn't sure at yeah. first. I was like, wait a minute. No? Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> it's just slang. Yeah, but it is, no, but it is exactly. like, more raunchy. Like, I thought this movie was going to be way raunchier, I guess. Like, especially because of what they showed in the trailers, like, the butt chugging. Uh, but, like, that's <laughs> the... Like, I don't think the title needs the lewd, you know, overtones or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not really that over the top, as I was expecting. Yeah, it's one of these movies that... I think they promoted it to be raunchier than it was, and it ended up having a lot of heart instead. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, look, it has its raunchy scenes. Don't get me wrong. It of has course. its gross-out moments. But mm-hmm. it definitely, um, again, wasn't the movie that I think a lot of people expected, for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, the film was produced by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, who, of course, brought us Super Bad, another high school film. Yeah, which I think this is, you know, very close to. This is closer to me than, like, people were equating Booksmart last summer to Superbad and being like, ah, it's like the the gender flip thing. And, like, granted, there are no parents in Superbad, but I feel like this is closer to that, just in, in terms of tone and, and lightheartedness and stuff. But Yes, tone-wise. I think Booksmart was closer in terms of, like, what Superbad meant to guys in 2007. Booksmart meant to maybe women nowadays. But in terms of tone and, like, just style of movie and what belongs more together, this is definitely closer to super bad. But before all of this, Mike, we've teased yes. blockers. Yes. I gave you an extra credit assignment oh, just because, A. Yes. <laughs> I know why you really wanted to do this movie. This is just another back door to another project that we have on back burner that we're just waiting to get to one day. But pr- pr- proceed, proceed. Yes, yes. As you said, rumor has it this is the final season of Third Time's a Charm. Maybe you'll have some more time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after that. If the rumors are correct, we don't know. Right, We don't know. (laughs) Could pull a Jordan Belfort, you know, at the last second and just say, fuck this, I'm sticking. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I mean, I did want to cover this movie, so it wasn't just an excuse. But this movie, to me, is one of the films that has taken John Cena from Professional Wrestler into movie star similar to someone before him the rock who is Mm -hmm. like the biggest movie star on the planet now or even dave batista right who's you know getting up there pretty big i mean he's a guardian of the entire galaxy that's (laughs) absolutely pretty high profile (laughs) 
<laughs> but then he's also oh, in he's, Stuber. He's also so. a Stuber. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but still, um, yeah. I think it's a lot of professional wrestlers' dream to make this jump, but it's not as easy. Like in the past, you've seen people do, how can I put it, little here and there. Like, of course, Roddy Piper is amazing and they live. But it's not like right. he blossomed into an A-lister after that. Yeah, and that plays to his strengths, too, not just as an actor, but from what I understand as a person in general, like, was really mm-hmm. able to, like, uh, have a lot of input on that role. And it's weird. I think it's many people got into wrestling at one point to break through, but I also feel much sort of like Broadway, you know, like, people kind of don't transition all that often. Like, it happens, but, like, the stage and the screen and the and the ring and the screen are different types of acting and genres and feel like you can kind of get stuck in that mode and not realize that you have to like do something different it could be a lot more difficult than you expect yeah and it's a transition because people will still see you as a professional wrestler like i think hulk hogan is someone who tried and never quite made that jump image can be a problem you know when you when you're crossing over and i think that's why it takes so long for someone like the rock to drop the rock and go by dwayne johnson now right you could see movie by movie he's slowly like removing it you know first it's like starring the rock and then it's starring dwayne the rock johnson then it's finally just starring dwayne johnson what i think he really set the template for though is not like turning your back on wrestling and also having a persona that exists beyond that right like hulk hogan always felt like wrestling hulk hogan but now the rock dwayne johnson whether he's wrestling or whether he's in a movie he has this certain persona like you're not going to really see him play like you know a, a doctor in an award-winning oscar film <laughs> which would be you know? incredible dr muscles dr muscles paging dr muscles john cena i think is at a point in his acting career that the rock was a bunch of years ago when he was doing like um that Tooth Fairy movie and like mm-hmm. even like Gridiron Gang and stuff like that. Yeah, which was like after the rundown and stuff. Like he was introed as like an action guy and then he switched mm-hmm. to like these lighthearted, more family kind of things. And now he's sort of found a center, I guess, somewhere. And, you know, we're going to get John Cena in the new uh, Fast yeah, movie, right? that's right. So may- maybe this is the next step. And I don't know if The Rock's in that one or anything. And there is a crazy wild you know, shout out to the to that series, that saga in this movie, which is wild. But getting to your point, I think, is like, I did not realize John Cena was still wrestling. Like, would show up at WrestleMania and stuff, like, blew my mind, you know? Like, you say The okay. Rock, yeah. like, set that sort of tone, right? Is to, like, don't forget where you came from kind of thing. And I think you're mm-hmm. right, like, a lot of people did. And they sort of got left in the dust on their own. It was very smart of The Rock to be like... They're different fan bases. They're not going to understand each other automatically. So you got to like be there to sort of hold their hand a little bit to usher them in and show them the way a little more. Okay, okay. I get it. Not everybody likes wrestling. And if you don't, I'm going to save you some time in your day. If you want to pause this and fast forward to the 4147 time code, you will skip all this wrestling talk. Yes. We talk about wrestling for like 40 minutes. I apologize. It got a little out of hand. It's a John Cena episode. What do you expect? But again, if you want to skip the wrestling talk, skip ahead to 41-47. I'll see you there. Oh, yeah. So, okay, a little background. The extra credit assignment I gave you was to watch not the full thing, 
just one match from this year's WrestleMania, yeah. and it was a. <laughs> I ended up watching. John... <laughs> ended up watching three matches. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it actually was a pretty good WrestleMania, all things. Well, considered. Ric Flair's daughter, right? She was the first match, I think, on the second night. Like that was on a... the second night. Yeah. yeah, that was an incredible match. It was a great. Uh, like match. all the women's matches were 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 crazy. So you know, a little context. Obviously, John Cena is a professional wrestler. And he was the biggest name of his generation. You and I are a little old for, like, that, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it was Hulk Hogan. Then it became, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. And the person to really take that mantle, there's, there's of course, in-between people, right? But the person to really take that mantle and cross into pop culture was John Cena, especially for younger people. Like, Nickelodeon, like, he's hosted, like, the Kids' Choice Awards, like, three times, you know? Yeah, my nephew knows him very well. Right. Exactly. Like, for someone like that... Now, I'm sure your nephew still knows Hulk Hogan. I'm not saying he erased Hulk Hogan. No, no. Or The Rock, exactly. Or The Rock, but he is that generation's Hulk Hogan. He is that generation's The Rock. Like, every kid knew him, whether they watched wrestling or not. So he he hasn't been too active in wrestling. Like he shows up, he still does like make a wish things for us. I think he has the record for make a wish visits of any human being on earth. Oh wow. Yeah, he he does so much for charity. But 2019 was the first calendar year that he did not wrestle on a single pay-per-view. Oh, okay. Um he showed up at WrestleMania, I believe, or it might it's there was like maybe a 12-month span where he wasn't there and it was the first time in like over a decade, might have been even 15 years. One can so argue he still hasn't, but we'll get there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> technically, technically. So, you know, there was rumors that he he wanted to be part of this WrestleMania. He's been pretty busy making movies. Everyone gets that. But John Cena is very unique in a sense that the younger fans loved him and the older fans, as he got more and more popular and more and more famous and more and more like the white meat baby face, as Mm -hmm. they say in the wrestling industry, Mm -hmm. he he became really hated by the adult fans to the point that in some markets he'd be completely booed for being the nicest guy in the world. Wow, okay. So like hardcore wrestling fans, if you talk to them, maybe not now because I think we're starting to get an appreciation for the guy. But for years, it was like, fuck John Cena. It was all about that. And hmm. I know this is weird, listeners out there. I know we're doing like a weird detour. But hey, we have the time. <laughs> we're having fun. It relates to the film because obviously he's in it. It's not completely unrelated. Oh, no, yeah. I have I have a connection for sure. But So this year's WrestleMania was a two-night affair. There are rumors that they have wanted to make it a two-night affair in the past because... Old WrestleManias, and we covered one on your show, were like two hours, maybe three hours long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, WrestleMania three. That's right. Like the last couple of years, and c- counting like the pre-show matches, they've gone to like eight hours long, nine hours that's long. That's unreasonable. <laughs> there's no need for that. It's insane. It's just that there's so many talented people. They want everyone to get a payout. They want everyone to be on the show. The fans want everyone on the show, you know? Yeah. There's so much programming. Uh, what, SmackDown has two hours every week on Fox. Raw has three hours every week on USA. There's NXT. They still do, like, SummerSlam and other things as well, right? Where they have, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, there's a pay-per-view every month. Pay- every month. Wow, I wasn't even aware of that. And yet still, WrestleMania, because of the name, is like the big one. Everyone wants to be on WrestleMania, and so many people have worked so hard to fill this like 12 hours of network programming mm-hmm. every week. And then, you know, the big people who don't wrestle all year want to come back, like John Cena. Mm-hmm. So you have all this time to fill and all these people who deserve it. So 
they said this year that they made it a two night affair because of um, the coronavirus issues, and right. they thought that like it would just be better. I am someone who's in favor of them continuing doing this because two days of three hours or two days of four hours, I forgot what it was, was so much more digestible than one day of eight or nine hours. Yeah. Now, it seems to me, and I, I'm not sure about this, I and mean, this is something that we're going to get into, this is part of like the homework assignment and stuff, is is this the first time they've done these theme matches like this? Because I would say yes. that is what would lead to this needing to be more than one evening, and if if not even just its own event, is the theme pay-per-view where they just do this for a whole night. But, you know, not to get too far ahead, you know, continue. No, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. So a couple of the limitations happened this year. You might be like, wait, Brian, aren't there no sports? People aren't going to like hearing this, but Vince McMahon and Donald Trump go way back. Way, way back. (laughs) You could watch the history of WrestleMania. They even had like a quasi- fight at WrestleMania. There's a famous YouTube clip of Donald Trump tackling Mr. McMahon. And I don't want to get political today, but I'll say this. Donald Trump's, the way he talks, a lot of it feels like it comes from wrestling. Oh, and it's I mean, really... <laughs> he is a wrestler character. Like, that is the persona that he projects is, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the inflation of himself and stuff is like... <laughs> Absolutely the Vince McMahon School of Broadcasting, for sure. Absolutely. Um, Just today, as we record, he named Vince McMahon to his economic panel to try to get the... I kid you not. We're doomed. (laughs) (laughs) To try to get the country back. Oh, save me, John Cena. (laughs) Regardless, right? So everyone kind of had a feeling that this would be let to go on. The government of Florida declared the WWE as a necessary (laughs) service. You know, Amazing. an essential service. An essential service, yeah. <laughs> Wrestling, yeah. But, you know, they they did take precautions. So this event was supposed to be in Tampa, where the Buccaneers play, Raymond James Stadium. And it was supposed to be sold out with God knows, like, how many people. Like, a football stadium. That's why, Mike, you'll notice there's a lot of pirate motif. Because... That stadium oh. has a pirate ship in the stadium. Oh. Because the Buccaneers field, so that that was the motif. And they weren't going <laughs> to pay for, like, new videos. New like graphics. Yeah, we already got the graphics. Fuck that. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it was crunch time, so they decided that they would do it in what's called their performance center, which is essentially a warehouse where they train young wrestlers. Right. But right, they right. own it. They couldn't have an audience because, obviously, what we're going through right now at coronavirus. Which, I got to say, it didn't even get in the way. Like, no audience. Audience, no problem from the matches I watched. I just want to say that out loud. So it was jarring at the beginning, right? For me as a fan. Well, I saw one or two clips on like the news or something. I was like, huh, this looks weird. And there's a meme going around or something where it's like, hey, professional wrestling is now one act theater or whatever, <laughs> you know, amateur off Broadway hour because <laughs> <laughs> lack of people watching is. The... But I, I kind of dug it. It didn't bother me. It was interesting, right? Because some wrestlers are just so used to playing to the crowd that it could get awkward, right? They would, like, motion to, to a crowd that wasn't there. Uh-huh. They're but actually calling wrestling... for a response that doesn't yeah. ever come. <laughs> but I get it because it's, like, years and years of that's their Reflex, art. yeah. But there were other wrestlers who really, like, embraced it and were able to work without a crowd. And while it was different... I kind of dug it, too, because you got to focus a lot more on the art form. Which sounds insane, but, like, I always thought that the crowd 
elevated what was happening, but to have it stripped down to just seeing it without any distraction, I was like more engaged and it was like, holy, sh- I was paying more attention almost or something. Mike, to me, it's the difference be- between seeing like a rock concert of like a stadium sellout rock concert of Guns N' Roses mm-hmm. versus like, unplugged, you know, my favorite like- band. <laughs> yeah, Unplugged playing. You can enjoy both if you're really into the music, but like Metallica in a big concert and Metallica unplugged both you're probably going to enjoy if you're a Metallica fan for different reasons yeah 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 I really really enjoyed this so you brought up another thing they did here most of the matches were just either like in this warehouse usually in the ring but both nights had what they called cinematic matches for the first time they had done it ever and cinematic matches were just Kind of what they sound like, right? They're almost mini movies. I still can't, like, if you can hear it, like, I can't, I'm still having trouble <laughs> with this kind of thing, but it makes a little more sense. Like, it's almost like the natural progression of the backstage antics, right? And video games kind of levels of, you know, and it's almost like mm-hmm. they brought to life the, the wrestling video game by where they staged it and how they shot it and how they got around having no... It's crazy. Yeah, and you know, sometimes in these tough situations, it forces you to be creative. And they said, you know, let's just try this out. And the first night, and Mike, you really should watch this one. I think I already suggested to you. It's the Boneyard match. Yes. It was The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. And that one felt like a horror movie. Like a a, a horror movie meets like a John Wayne Western. You know what it reminded me of? And I mean this in like the best way. And I hope this like doesn't come as a slight or, or anything. But it was like when I went and saw the Indiana Jones stunt show at MGM <laughs> when I was like 15. Because, <laughs> because they're like wrestling through what was it like a cemetery and then like a haunted house and all that that's the one right like i saw a couple clips and stuff and like that's a really sort of smart idea it's almost just like watching a horror movie like you said i was surprised how well it was working yeah it sounds dumb on paper especially if you're not a wrestling fan you're probably like what are these guys talking about but you know what does sound good the brawl to end it all and look how dumb that turned out to be so sometimes the (laughs) stupider sounding ideas turn out to be the better ones (laughs) (laughs) yeah no and this is something that i'm so glad they took this chance both these matches were so well received and they'll definitely do it again they won't do it where like every month probably you know because they don't want it to wear it it's welcome but i think certainly for big shows like Mm -hmm. wrestlemania uh, and and stuff like this because i think we're ready for the next step i think we're ready for the next evolution but let's talk about the match that john cena was a part of the one that i made you watch yeah the assignment itself right it was called the firefly funhouse match and it, it sounds silly but a little background for those of you in the audience out there and maybe you mike as well oh i am the now match. i'm fully aware of, of all of this now so <laughs> the match was between john cena who i said hadn't been there in a year and bray wyatt bray wyatt is an interesting character just to equate it to people who maybe are a little familiar with wrestling he's like the undertaker of today he's kind of mystical he's kind of a he's allowed to bend certain like rules like he's not like a guy in a singlet with you know <laughs> yeah but he's a little more talkative than the undertaker i yes, feel yes, like yes. you he's know not literally that character no but, but he like, is it's almost like he is the character where like he's magical almost in a light of in a way maybe <laughs> like yeah, i'm not sure people say like people who've analyzed wrestling from the outside say it seems to exist in two worlds like if you've never seen wrestling at all you're an alien you just popped in it's either guys 
in an almost hyper-realistic style fighting each other in, like, a sports league, right? Like, <laughs> not, yeah. and it's not, like, super realistic, but there's, like, tough guy, mm-hmm. like, and they're just beating each other up and competing in this league. And then there's also a supernatural aspect. Like, you're either, like, a regular tough guy or you're somehow supernatural. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it sounds so silly, but it's part of the art form of it. Yeah. And Bray Wyatt is one of those characters who's allowed to be a little bit more theatrical. He debuted as this pseudo-Cape Fear kind of character, just, like, a guy who hung out in the swamp and almost... I would compare Cape Wait, Fear... Wait, like Max Cady? Like that? Like the... Y- yes. He's true <laughs> That's <detective>. where he... <laughs> That's... No, and um, you okay. see it in the scene later with him in the rocking chair. Okay, okay. Ground. Yeah, he was kind of like this southern, almost cult leader. He had like minions. And when he was this character, he's supposed to be a bad guy, right? And he would have these amazing matches and have these amazing promos. And eventually at WrestleMania 30... And this is WrestleMania 36, guys, just for a little perspective. WrestleMania 30... I actually was there in New Orleans. Oh, He cool. fought John Cena, who John Cena, almost at the top of his game, and Bray Wyatt, this young buck who's just like turning all these heads with this amazing character. They had a match that, if you watched it with the sound off, you would be like, okay, John Cena's our hero, and Bray Wyatt is our scary bad guy, right? Like, just from like mm-hmm. the, the southern swamps. But he had this amazing intro. I was there. I kid you not, one of the greatest live experiences I've ever seen. Just Bray Wyatt's wow. intro. Wow. Um, <laughs> awesome. Mike, I'm going to, it's really quick. I'm going to have you watch it quickly. I'm going to oh. send you the link. Just take time to watch it so you can get a little, because this matters to the storyline. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching it now. The machetes. No, that's fire. <laughs> Dude, what is this voodoo stuff? <laughs> what well, was in New Orleans? Remember? I, mean, again, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> so yeah, this is like a sold out football stadium, just for perspective. It's like a halftime show. Oh, and he's got his little cult people's like uh, Rob Zombie looking. Yeah, it's, it's it's very like that. Oh, he's the guy at the plague mask. He's even got his own band. Who is a Slipknot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're playing like a bluesy Bayou tune though. This feels like from Dust Till Dawn. Oh no, it definitely it was like again. And I was there in the stadium, and you almost got chilled. It's creepy. Everyone. Here he Everyone. comes. Oh my god. Dude, this is the same guy is what blows my mind. Like, I can't wait until we get into each of them have have had multiple personas. But, like, this is beyond, you know, going from Cactus Jack to Mankind. Like, this is is extreme. And in storyline, it's the same character. But, you know, we'll get into that. But you were in this place of, like, 80,000 people or something along those lines, right? Okay. And you felt like you were alone with him because the entire place <laughs> is pitch black. Yeah. You could see like some crowd shots, maybe some cameras here or there. And all you see is this, his entrance. And and he's holding that one lantern. Yeah. And you're fucking feeling it. You know, you're feeling it. You can shit on WWE all you want. They arguably have the greatest production team of anyone in the world. And I'm not just talking about wrestling. It's like Broadway, but it's on the road and it's different every night. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's a traveling circus. And I mean that in, like, the best way, you know? Yeah. Like, or you get 80,000 people in a dome watching it at this time, too. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And I never really put that together before, how it how it is like the old circus, you know, or carnival routes where, like, you just hit the fucking road forever and just keep going in a, in a circle. <laughs> like, like, they literally refer to themselves sometimes as carnies. Because it's the closest thing we have today to that. Wow. All those lights come up at once. He looks a little yes. like Bane without the mask. Like he's got that's the... A, that's another example too, <laughs> right? Like, And he had that philosophy. 
You called him the Eater of Worlds. I was born in darkness. You merely adopted (laughs) it. But that he would cleanse people, right? The Eater of Worlds? He called himself that? That's amazing. Among other things. (laughs) His character was awesome, but I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, but the WWE really... Everyone in there was like, holy shit, this guy's awesome. And then you have, after this, Cornball John Cena come in, and he, he might be the kid's hero, but if you're in that audience... You're rooting for Bray Wyatt, right? So like I said, you yeah. watch this match with the sound off, you might think John Cena's the hero. But everyone there, they were chanting his name, they wanted him to win. And there's this key moment in this match where he hands John Cena a chair and he just like hit me. Essentially, turn to the dark side. Very Luke Skywalker. Mm, and John I, Cena. Very won't Darth do it. Vader, yeah. Yeah. And John Cena doesn't do it and he beats he beats him. But he beats him like the hero he is. Right. And I give you that context because they have this match, this Firefly Funhouse match. Bray Wyatt, he's a great character, but he starts to lose momentum because he's losing to all these guys. Because the villain usually loses to the hero. They take him off television for over a year. Mm. So there's this mystery. Where's Bray Wyatt? Where's Bray Wyatt? When he comes back, he comes back as this host of this Pee Wee Herman-esque show called the Firefly Funhouse. Yes, I think we, we touched upon this in the second WrestleMania 3 episode where we were sort of talking about the evolution of the Piper's Pit kind of uh, oh, back, okay. backstage television uh, talk show kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. So... <laughs> John Cena, you know, behind the scenes is like, I want to come back and I want to have a match with Bray Wyatt. Apparently he loves him behind the scenes. He really enjoys working with him. But the program is kind of based on this. Bray Wyatt's back as this Pee Wee Herman character, but throughout the last couple of months he's been dominating. He's the most popular wrestling performer, for better or worse. Playing basically like himself as if like he's lost his mind. Like this event, it seems, has scarred him forever. And he's never, you know what I'm saying? Like he can't be that guy from the swamps anymore like he's just like insane well, yeah exactly bray wyatt firefly funhouse host is that swamp guy trying to almost cleanse his life however there's the fiend yes who he wrestles there at. is the fiend holy shit and the fiend is just like his monstrous persona the tag line for that you know is like let him in so you, you had months of this Firefly Funhouse like every week and he would like tease things and talk about things and talk about how he's like suppressing the monster inside him, but everything's fine and dandy. And then we met the Fiend, who's like, again, that character with the mask, and he's steamrolling over people. And they've done such a good job with this character in my mind. Have, have there been missteps? Sure. But when he beats somebody, the person he beats changes forever. Nice. Like, they either, like, if they were a bad guy, they'll become a good guy after that, or the opposite will happen. Essentially, he'll reveal, like, like what they really want to be inside. And they'll go on and fight <laughs> other people as this other person with different motivations. It's been amazing. So this John Cena thing comes up. And they allude a lot to this WrestleMania 30 match. But it's 36 here, and we don't know what we're going to get. It's called a, a Firefly Funhouse match. Who knows what the hell's going on? Again, yeah. I bring it up because of blockers, because at the end of it, a lot of people are like, is this John Cena saying goodbye? Is this his transition to acting? But So let's talk about the match. Okay. Mike. All right. What were your thoughts? What were your okay. expectations going in? And then what happened? Okay, so I definitely just thought that they were going to fight in a fun house with lots of crazy shit to hit each other with and like maybe multiple rooms and like throw each other maybe down like a flight of stairs into like a ball pit you know like i thought they were gonna expand uh this guy's you know 
uh, set, you know, because he only he only has like the one room with like a TV in it, pretty much, right? Yeah. Like he stands and the there. puppets. So, yeah. So I thought they were gonna go through a whole like literally, you know, like there's a fun house like at a at a fair or something. Like I thought they were gonna fight through a fun house, but it was gonna be all rigged up with stuff. Maybe a few charges, like some light charges for one of them to get like thrown into, like a ladder in there and everything. <laughs> I think a lot of people thought that too because of especially after the boneyard match which was cool yeah. but kind of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm I didn't watch the whole boneyard match but I would assume like one would get hit with a shovel or you know exactly. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Thrown in a coffin which used to be Undertaker's big thing. You're hitting the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> but that is not at all what we got. This was a fight fought in the mind. This was like experimental theater like this is a whole other thing and like this i think is i think it was cool like i liked it i don't think this is john cena saying goodbye i think this is his like sort of return maybe in a lot of ways a way to keep him around this is bringing movies to wrestling like a hundred percent now mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. this is uh, a short film. It was. It was a journey through John Cena's like soul, <laughs> <laughs> his history, his all of his different personas, like all all these different references that I read up on afterwards. Thank you for the link and stuff. And like, yeah, it was wild. Like I never seen, nor did I ever expect anything like on this level. And look, I'm not saying it's like high art, but like, no, it's never been nothing like this. I feel like because this is new. Right? Like, this has never been done before. Like, no, whatever it new. is, you know? <laughs> How did now, you, some what res- did you think about this? All of I this? loved it. Some okay. wrestling purists hated it because it wasn't in a ring and it wasn't putting people in, like, uh, a full Nelson or something. Oh, dude, you know? but if not for anything, like, it's just, it's such a what the fuck did I just watch? Like, for that sake, for, like, it's David Lynch influences and all that kind of, like, just on that alone, I feel like it really delivered. You know, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you're going to get something out of this. It reminded me of Lynch. It reminded me of, I think I said it off air, like the death of Superman. It reminded me of a graphic <laughs> novel. Yeah. Um, it really played like a graphic novel to me. I saw this in like almost like strips. And honestly, I know he doesn't have the movie star look. Like John Cena looks like a movie star. But Bray Wyatt, everyone says, might be the best actor in the WWE. I mean, it's not like he what? It's not like he has he's not like missing an eye. He's not missing teeth. He's not it doesn't have a giant sc- like there's no reason he shouldn't be like on the silver, on the big screen. Like he might even be one of the guys to sort of lead the next wave, right? To be like you don't have to be cut like Arnold Schwarzenegger as long as you have the chops you know like at first I was very skeptical of Dave Batista because I was like oh no like he just he's just sort of seemed like a body right but it's like no this guy actually has like acting abilities and stuff like what he's doing feels difficult and subtle in those Guardian movies you know I could see him in a lot of stuff I'd like to see it uh, I don't know if we talked about this but his father is the former wrestler called IRS Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Erwin R. Scheister, I think. Yes. A very different type of wrestler. But a, a good wrestler in himself. But what I like about Bray Wyatt, he's only 32 years old. Oh, John Cena's like, 42, right? Like, he's... Yeah. <laughs> he's got a future ahead of him. And John Cena, since he's just kind of breaking out now, 
maybe this is you know Bray Wyatt's future too. You know he plays this character so well. He had a lot of input in the way this match turned out. Um, he's a really creative guy, a really smart guy. And again, I don't know if he's going to play like a dad in a movie like No, Blockers, he should maybe. be in like a Western or like a biker film or something like that. But or, like, or there's a horror film. Or a horror, you know? yeah. Well, I mean like, you know, put him in like a biker film. Like there's, you could be more dramatic in something like that. Or like a, you know what I'm saying? Like a horror film, you can get there, but I don't want to see him like just get turned into Jason or anything like that. I no, no, I don't even mean like that. I mean like like as a survivor. Like a guy in a horror I could film. see him as yeah. a yeah, or as a dad in the horror film. That would be cool to be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're already brainstorming. There's lots of room for him. <laughs> so, just a couple things that we we saw in this match that we're not going to get into every Easter egg, right? right but right. John Cena has had this long journey to get where he is today in Hollywood and in wrestling. He's kind of snapped into this world and one of the first things that we see is Clips between his debut match and today, right? So John Cena famously had this debut match with Kurt Angle on SmackDown. Kurt Angle, one of the greatest of all time as well. And he was this, like, pasty, vanilla character. Yeah, he was, like, strong and he looked awesome, but his character had no depth to it. And he famously said this thing, ruthless aggression. And he had this fight with Kurt Angle. People liked him. But it didn't go anywhere, and he actually almost got fired because... The character had zero substance. And we see that here. He's swinging at Bray and he's missing, you know, in his original tights from when he fought that match, which I thought was great. Yeah, that's when I knew it. I was like, this is not going to be a match. And I think even before that, a Vince McMahon puppet with devil horns pops up and starts yelling at him. How great is that? Yeah. (laughs) Like, do you have what it takes or you're fired? Like, oh, you know, and then it goes to this. Which, oh, my God, I love the whole Saturday night's main event intro. Oh, yeah. And Mr. T. And that was kind of showing, I forgot his like name in that, but it was showing what John Cena needed to become to be the most popular guy in the company's mind. And that's, again, almost a reincarnation of Hulk Hogan in a sense of say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and largely a body guy. Like, that's what people called him for years. I'm not saying it's fair, but like, oh, Vince McMahon likes him. He's going to keep getting this shot because he's built, you know? And that's yeah. why... He, he lifts those weights and his arms kind of fall apart <laughs> because it's like, and that was kind of saying, well, you just can't make it in this industry as a body guy. You need something else. It's a very surreal moment. <laughs> you know? I caught on right away and I was down for the ride too. Like it, it almost reminded me, I mean, last week, I mean, at the time we were recording this on last week on Westworld, they showed this really cool drug called genre, which takes you through different time periods of cinema and stuff like that. And so like I was, I knew what they were doing immediately and I thought they ended up pulling it off really well so like jumping through the different not just john cena's time periods but the the history of wrestling almost like not you know and like all the different turns that he could have made and the choices that he made to where it got him i was like blown away by this (laughs) i think that like a casual fan could have understood too like it doesn't need me analyzing and, and picking it apart the next character that we saw was john cena's rapper phase and believe it or oh, not yeah. his white rapper face is what got him popular among the fans to the shock mm-hmm. of everyone and he was he played this white rapper character for years that people actually loved because he was kind of good at it <laughs> that's when i first knew of john cena like that's what he kind of i feel like broke through the first little bit i feel like into the you know if you're not really picking up on wrestling every week to week like you're still going to notice this guy yeah exactly and it, it was a shock but you know we see shades of that character 
the doctor of thugonomics, as he was called. <laughs> Excellent. And Bray says something interesting to him. He said, like, everyone thought you were the hero. You, you know, you pictured yourself as a hero. But you were kind of a bully because the way you would get over with people was by mocking other people and really being a bully to them. And it kind of made you think because it's kind of true. And then it kind of flashed to this Superdome match that they had in WrestleMania 30. And that's when Bray was his old persona. And that's when he explains, you kind of destroyed me there. You know, after that, he had many years of wrestling. But... I don't know. People felt like it was never the same, if that makes sense. Yeah, sort of um, like the way his character, the minion, is like changing people now for, forever. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, kind around. of. Yeah, uh, the fiend. The fiend. What did I call him? The minion? My bad. Sorry, fiend. <laughs> you're, I know you're already going to haunt my nightmares, but don't show up at my front door. So we saw that we see the Bray Wyatt in, in the rocking chair, and it kind of is like a redo of that match, in a sense. And it's it's the moment he gives John Cena the chair and he tells him to hit him. And this time John Cena tries to hit him, which is like not a really nice guy thing to do to hit someone with a chair. But it, <laughs> it showed that John Cena maybe was willing to go to that place where he'd never had before. And boom, that bounces him to 1990s WCW NWO. And this is an allusion to what Hulk Hogan had to do later in his career when people were booing him. Hollywood, Hulk Hogan. Go, just be fuck you fans, be the bad guy. And he gained a whole new life on his career and, and became super popular. Famously, WCW got better ratings than WWF for 83 weeks in a row. And it went back and forth a lot before that and a lot after that. And this was, again, due to Hulk Hogan's change from a good guy, the, the yellow Hulk Hogan, to the black and white NWO Hulk Hogan. And it's alluding to the fact that John Cena could have done that. He didn't do that. And now he, you know, he's making that choice. But and I'm trying to do this as quick as possible. Essentially, once we get there, we flash forward to the match today, if you want to call it a match. <laughs> and The Fiend emerges which is again that scarier character, and I'll post pictures of this. He looks so almost like he looks kind of like Venom, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's like mixed, a fat Venom. Yeah, sort of like the clown from um, Spawn or something. Spawn, <laughs> very Spawn. That's yeah. a good call. And you know, he ends up quote unquote beating John Cena if this counts at all. You know, Bray Wyatt's the referee, and the Fiend is in the ring. It's it's just like glorious and. Uh, it kind of is like, what's going on with John Cena? So what did you think of just, I guess, the ending? And, like, what's your take on this all? After it ends, like, super abruptly, they cut back to one of the commentators. And he's just got this look <laughs> on his face, like, what the <laughs> Titus f- O'Neil, yeah. He's like, what the fuck was that? I was like, I, I'm right there with you, man. Like, I don't know what that was, but I love it. But, like, no, this, this was very clever. Like, I know people were expecting... A, a real match, right? But I think they're happier, like, because of all of the sort of in-jokes and references and all that kind of stuff that was pulled off. And it's like a super extra long of this guy's super terrific happy hour, you know, thing that he usually does or whatever, you know? And, and I think it was great as, like, a deconstruction of John Cena. Like, I hope they do this with more wrestlers, if that's... Like, would The Rock go through something like that, you know, allow himself to be sort of exposed in this way? Like, I was very surprised. I mean, maybe not so much, because, like, seeing John Cena as an actor, 
you know, he's got no humility whatsoever, you know, on screen. Like, he, he will kind of do anything, and not like that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying, like, to his detriment or anything like that, but I just was so behind how game he is, like, in the movie that, like, I'm really glad that he was behind something like this. Like, I feel like without his sort of, like, involvement or input and stuff, like, being down for this, it would not have... A, it probably never would have happened, but B, like, it, it would not have been as good, right? Like, it, it feels like he had, like, a say in all of this and, you know, wanted it to be the best it was. And, like, yeah, it was a, they took a real chance here. And I think that they pulled it off. It's very surprising. Very surprised. <laughs> I know that went way too long for you guys, but I just, I just really wanted to talk about it, A. And B, I just think it shows the acting ability of both these two people and John Cena. And, I think it's related because I think it really, you know, this movie was a couple of years ago, but it really predicts kind of what we're going to see maybe in John Cena in the WWE and maybe John Cena in movies too, you know? Yeah. He, he's kind of played like fun, silly roles, this included, but maybe we're going to get a more serious, serious turn for him too. Who yeah, knows? I feel like he hasn't really been, you know, he's definitely not been like a bad guy, I feel really right. And like, I feel like this Fast and Furious movie is going to be kind of his make it or break it moment to be quite honest with like can obviously he can physically stand up to like Vin Diesel and The Rock and everybody else but like can he be part of like an like is he gonna flow is he gonna fit is he gonna have sort of like the ability as an actor to you know make it on that caliber and so I can't wait to see yeah I I can't wait so guys if you have fast forwarded through this portion of the podcast (laughs) I understand but I think we're ready to talk blockers right yeah absolutely (laughs) <laughs> want to get a drink so, should we get a drink you guys want to go get a drink <laughs> i hope he's talking about coffee so i guess let's get to the main event mike right like, oh nice <laughs> our chat on blockers obviously it's a very fun movie and if you guys aren't familiar with blockers every week i read the back of the dvd this is a new movie so maybe it was a blu-ray i don't know i just looked up a picture <laughs> but these days and we've talked about it before like things in the last five years they don't write much on the back of DVDs or, or mm-hmm. you know, even Amazon explanations. So here goes. From the producers who brought you Neighbors, and this is the end, comes the outrageous comedy blockers. When three parents find out their daughters made a pact to lose their virginity at prom, they launch a covert operation. To stop them. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, that's, 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 yeah, that's the log line. Right. Yeah. That's not the, yeah, there's I mean, not much, you know. you know, like again, when I read ones from the eighties, they're like really selling it. You yeah. Know? It's like, like along the way, the parents grow <laughs> to reforce their friendship. Well, the three girls find out what's really important. <laughs> Wacky prom yeah. antics. Because we can look up a trailer, like at a touch of a thumb right now, you know? So yeah. we don't need this anymore. So what's your history of blockers? When did you first see it? So, I remember seeing this, I saw it, I guess when it came out on demand, you know, uh, it was just, it showed up digitally one day, and so I popped it on, and yeah, I really didn't have any desire to check it out in theaters, I remember because the trailer was the beer butt chugging scene, basically, (laughs) and I was like, man, I'm kind of over raunch at this point, I mean, I'm not never gonna go back, I mean, there's still some raunchy movies I enjoy and stuff, but it's just like, this. I don't need that. Um, and it felt more like it was going to be all the parents all the time. So, like, I was 
pleasantly surprised that we get a lot with the three girls in this. It's almost split evenly, which I liked a lot. Not to say like I wouldn't enjoy like a, a whole movie about just these parents and stuff, but it might be a little much uh, the, the way they're playing these characters. Like you definitely have to make some changes. So like I was very surprised that uh, and, and pleasantly surprised and I was laughing my damn ass off too. So <laughs> I thought it was very funny. And I still think it's very funny. And because of this movie, I went and um, I followed Ike Barinholtz on Twitter because he steal, <laughs> steals the show as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I love that guy. He's hilarious. <laughs> uh, what is he from? Like, I've, uh, I only, I've only seen him in Neighbors. So he's like the Seth Rogen's best friend uh, in Neighbors. And he has got a very sort of brief, very extreme role in that movie and then he's like a prison guard in Suicide Squad I think he, he, he like helps them break out or something I, I don't remember exactly but he's in that movie too for a little while but not much he's a comedic actor he's a com- I think he's like a f- I don't think he's a stand-up comedian you know but I think he's like from sort of the improv troops and things like I'm not positive I feel like I've seen his face but like I don't know uh, yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, I love him I think he's hilarious I think he's not in enough I'm definitely glad he's here i think they did a great job with the the three adult leads yeah this isn't like your a-lister film you know and that's totally fine like i'm okay with that so he plays hunter one of the dads we have leslie mann who plays lisa who's a mom obviously i actually really enjoyed her in this and i'm to be honest with you i'm not a big leslie mann fan I know she was married to Judd Apatow, mm-hmm. and she kind of was, like, pushed in all these roles. Not that she didn't want to do it. I don't want to say that. But she felt very similar in a lot of roles she had for a while, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't see This is 40, so maybe she played a little bit there. But she's able to play a little bit more with acting and character in this film. Um, but we've seen her on this podcast, a movie called Orange County. She actually was, like, pretty oh. young in it. She's in that one. She's... John Lithgow's second wife, and that was fun. I thought she was really great in that, and I enjoyed her performance more than I have any other performance of hers. That's got a Hanks connection. That's got Cologne Hanks in it, Yes, yes. (laughs) And then, of course, our main man, John Cena, is Mitchell, or Mitch, another one of the dads. Have you seen him in anything prior? I had only seen him in, funny enough, another comedy. Funny enough, it was uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey movie, Sisters, I think which is just like these two sisters throw a big party at their parents' house and they're like, you know, in their late 40s mm-hmm. or something. John Cena shows up. <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier how like this isn't like a real A-list movie. It's funny because like, yeah, you would expect this to be like Will Ferrell, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Amy yeah. po- right, like that tier. Uh, but I'm really glad it's not, you know. <laughs> I'm really glad uh, we have these sort of like less, not lesser known maybe, but like underused, I'd say, you know? Underutilized, yeah. Yeah, underutilized. Um, So I had seen John Cena, maybe a couple things, but not really. So I had seen him before in Amy Schumer's first film, Trainwreck, where he played like her musclehead boyfriend. Uh. And I always laugh because that's based on another wrestler in the WWE that she actually dated. It's also, of course, heightened to 11. Yeah. So it was like a good transition for him. This is like his first really big role that I've I've seen him in. Um, and I I loved it. Uh, I thought he was great. Yeah, I know he like did movies like The Marine and stuff that kind of went to VOD. And I was a little worried that he was going to sort of get stuck there. But this is, yeah, he's like one of the leads here in uh, an ensemble, you know, I guess you could say. And definitely like 
doing his thing like so committed in this movie and and it's working too right like it's it's an r-rated comedy so you know you could hear him curse which i'm sure is weird when he's introduced like chewing on panties you know which we find out are his daughter's panties but like (laughs) like he's just really putting you know what i'm saying like he's really putting himself out there and i feel like they're not like taking advantage not like i don't mean that i mean like they're definitely utilizing it i just feel like it doesn't seem like he's getting taken advantage of you know what i'm saying like as an actor or anything like they're not doing this to like laugh at him i'm laughing because he's like created like such a believable character or something like that exactly and he feels like the character it doesn't yes. feel like kareem abdul jabbar <laughs> something you know what no I'm you're so right it doesn't feel like a like a stunt cast or um, like a cameo or any anything kind of like that. Yeah, like, again, we'll say Hulk Hogan. You know, it didn't feel like Hulk... Because if Hulk Hogan's in this, you're really distracted. I felt like he was the dad of this character. Yeah, like, it's it's even more... Na- like, he's got way more of a Schwarzenegger thing for me. It's almost as if, like, Schwarzenegger without the accent, you know? Because, like, I feel it sort of in a jingle-all-the-way sense where in that movie, oh, like, my dad just happens to work out a lot, you know? Like, <laughs> we never really talk about it or anything, but, yeah, he's in amazing shape. That's all. He's still a neurotic mess. <laughs> <laughs> and I know they use his body a lot, like, because he's so built, but it still works, you know? Yeah. It doesn't pull me out of it so completely. Before, you, you mentioned when you saw the trailer, you thought it was just going to be about the parents, but this is equally a movie about the kids as well, and that's what I loved so much, the high schoolers. We get a lot of high school activity, if you will, in this <laughs> film. And, and I thought the the people they cast in the high school roles did a great job, too. Yeah, like, I've not been in high school for a long time, but I've come to realize that some things are just never going to change. You know, there's always going to be a Jake Donahue, no matter where you go. Like, always. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I was able to relate to these, the girls and the guys, as far as, like, yeah, they just seem like kids to me. I'm glad they didn't give them too much to do and, like, just sort of, like focus in on one sort of eccentricity you know what i'm saying they feel like fully fledged like even the one that's more sporty like it's not all she's about yeah no exactly they weren't like archetypes they felt like real characters and casting wise to me and we'll talk about this a little bit later but they felt like high schoolers i i didn't feel like they were being like over sexualized or something oh Bro, you have no idea how glad I was that the nudity in this was all adult nudity. Like, I think maybe <laughs> we see, like, a teenage butt, but, like, getting mooned by a teenager, like, okay, I can handle that. But, like, you know, Gary Cole's cock is way more <laughs> easier to digest than, like, if I had to wa- look at one of these girls topless or something. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's so great because, again, we talk about a lot on this podcast. It didn't feel like they were adults playing kids. It felt like high schoolers yeah. being high schoolers. And I just want to shout out the actresses. Like, I wasn't too familiar with them. Catherine Newton played Julie, which is Leslie Mann's daughter. Geraldine, I, I don't, I'm going to butcher this, but... Viswanathan. Say it fast. Say it fast. Just Geraldine Viswanathan played Carol, which was John Cena's daughter, and Gideon Adlon played Sam, which was uh, a Hunter's daughter. All right. And I thought they were all really good. They were different in their own ways, but they also seemed like they would be friends. You know, we see that in a lot of high school films where it seems like they, you know, like why is the cheerleader with this door? <laughs> so <laughs> I love how casually the movie just uh, opens up with that and the. Uh, parents are dropping every, uh, their daughters off at school and like the girls just like instantly meet each other and be like want to be best friends sure okay and then the parents are like stuck standing next to each other and, and they're just like well I guess we're friends now <laughs> that moment to me was like 
that I knew I was going to like this movie. It's hilarious. Maybe it's because like I I was been like dropping off my niece and nephews at, from kindergarten to fourth grade, and so like I've had to sort of make casual small talk with a lot of parents and oh, and, and things like that and stuff. <laughs> so like I related to the moment where I felt like the um, hunter character, where I was like. You guys want to hang out? You want to go like do stuff? You, you, <laughs> do you wait? You work? Like wait what? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, I haven't been in that role, so not that I didn't relate to it. I thought it was awesome, but I totally like. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you could relate to that. That's, that's so cool. Actors quickly. It's kind of an ensemble cast. I didn't know too many of the um, other kids, but the people I recognize. You already mentioned him, Gary Cole and Gina Gershon play yeah. that. The, that I will say Austin's parents, that very sexually active couple. Yeah, hypersexual, for sure. <laughs> the other people I, I wrote down who I'm like, oh, okay. Um, Colton Dunn is that limo driver. Okay. And I didn't know him by name, but i definitely seen him in a lot of stuff. He's in like Parks and Recreation. He's in a bunch of things, and he's still just a funny guy. Oh, right. Yes. I, I Okay. Yeah, I see. I know him now from Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Hannibal Burris is in this film. Yeah, yeah. And June Diane Rayfield is... Uh, yeah, and he's June Diane Raphael's husband. Yeah, his, new husband, husband, yeah. 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 New yeah. husband. And I thought they were a great couple together. <laughs> that was... He's he's hilarious. Like, the his dynamic, just in general, his way of, like, carrying himself, how he, like, wants to grab a beer with her ex-husband and everything. <laughs> and they're just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're... Like, it's weird because he's not overstepping his boundaries, but, like... No. He's actually a great guy, but that can be annoying. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, for all accounts, like, the character that June Diane is playing is, like, a total nightmare. <laughs> also, it seems like, you know. Oh, absolutely. Probably has something to do with it. It usually does. And these movies are usually better, I noticed. But this was directed by a woman, and I was not aware of that. And I think that has a lot to do with sort of the way a lot of this is landing like there's a certain sort of like tack to it where it doesn't not that it doesn't feel edgy but like i was saying earlier like it doesn't feel lewd it never feels you know like it's going american pie distance kind of stuff right there's moments for sure but overall like there's just such like a positive vibe draped across this entire thing that mm -hmm. ev everything felt like playful and therefore like i went along with more stuff than i might have usually gone with and and I don't know, like, every, I, I just really enjoyed sort of the whole vibe going on here from the start. Yeah, so Kay Cannon is the director. Uh, it's her directorial debut, but she's most known for, well, she was a writer on 30 Rock, but she's most known for writing and producing the Pitch Perfect series. Oh, okay. So they gave her a shot with this, and I thought she did an awesome job as well. I, I never felt as gross as this movie can get. I never felt like icky. If that I, makes sense. Yeah, I kept saying like this could have gotten this could have gone way longer and way worse. You know, there's like maybe two moments. Uh, I mentioned the infamous butt chugging scene, but then there's like a, a a puking moment too, where I was like, well, this this is not great, uh, but like it could have gone so much further. <laughs> And I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I, I thought she did an excellent job. You mentioned the first scene already, and I love that opening. But let's kind of get into it. This takes place over, like, what, like a 24-hour period? Yeah, prom night, basically. Well, there's, like, later that you're, like, a three-month later. Oh, well, you know what I mean. yeah. Like 90%, sorry. yeah, 90% is in it. Prom night. Did we talk about prom during a prom night series? Probably, right? Like, we don't have to get into that. Well, I was just going to say, Mike, you and I have been to prom a yeah, lot. Yeah, I know. Podcast. Lots of prom talk here. <laughs> it's so weird. This could have gone in a whole different direction where these 
kids would have been perfect for a prom night remake as far as like the horror that like if you think about it like that one kid is like the dude in the van like the ginger kid or whatever <laughs> you know just like this like all all super confident and about himself and like scoring with with girls and stuff and, like, and the lead is like you know sort of like Miss Teen USA and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I was getting a lot of um, prom night horror vibes from this movie too. (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah, we're not going to get into our prom stories. We've already gotten into them a little bit before. Also, I'm not going to be like, hey, Mike, when did you lose your virginity? We're not talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think we spent our like personal allotment on this podcast talking about wrestling. So Yeah, for sure. (laughs) We'll get into more of the movie. And everything in this film is, how how do you say? Like, it started by the fact that the girls want to get laid. And I love that because we've seen so many guy movies about that. Oh, yeah. From American Pie on. Oh, yeah. So it's cool to see that, like, there's this group of girls. And they didn't feel gross either, if that makes sense. It wasn't just like, uh, like, let's shout profanity and stuff like that. It seemed like a legitimate urges of a teenager. This took me all the way back to Losing It, starring Tom Cruise. But uh, <laughs> or they go to Tijuana to try and lose their virginity, ends up losing it to Shelley Long, spoilies. Anyway, oh, this is a, yeah, you know, like this is for one reason or another became like a tradition in teen comedies, you know, the, the let's lose our virginity. Like you could go back, you know, to the 70s and chart like there's probably been one like at least every five to ten years. It's not the greatest tradition, I'll say, you know, like. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of, of like a pretty bad one yeah like it's reared itself to be poor but there's every right for there to exist you know a quote-unquote female version of this movie a gender swapped you know version of the concept there are none out there that i can think of you know like that blows my mind and you know if you want to talk about equality which this movie does a lot like this should not be scarce this shouldn't be a Mm. one and done kind of thing like there should be as many of these as there are, you know, super bads or American pies. And now we're, we're getting more and more. Like we mentioned book smart and stuff. And I'm sure if we went back, like, you know, Valley Girl sort of is in a way, you know, I'd say doing this where it shows the girl and the guy, maybe even more so the girl side of it. But that's like one of the few I could kind of think of. Girls just want to have fun. Like, has anyone seen that masterpiece in, you know, 25 <laughs> years? You might want to check that out. I think it's like... What was it Helen Hunt and Sarah Jessica Parker dancing after school? Wow. Oh, yeah. Kate Hudson has brought this up. Yeah. Oh. That, that was one of my sister's favorites. But, I mean, that's the point. Like, these movies aren't out there. So to get one and for it to actually deliver was, like, so great. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And it felt real. It didn't feel like they were exploited at all. Like, Right. Um, yeah, I think it helped that we have... Uh, female behind the camera as well to sort of be there as you know the guide the guidance the sort of barometer of you know what's appropriate and acceptable and all that kind of stuff if a guy directed this movie it would be wildly wrong and different (laughs) probably i think you're right and they all have their own unique situations right like lisa and julie their dynamic is lisa's a single mom seems to be successful because they have a really nice house but she's a single mom they have a nice little dynamic and they kind of you know they do stuff together, and she believes that they have, like, 100% comfortability with each other. We learn that they don't, but, like, every teenager has secrets on their parents, so it's not weird or anything. 
John Cena's character Mitchell is married. It seems like his wife is more of the breadwinner in the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that, but she's a very successful doctor. So he's built this relationship with his daughter, Kayla, like a little differently than his mother, the mother because he's the one who takes her to school and makes her lunches and all those kind of things. I liked it because it wasn't played up to be too comedic. I feel like if it was. But I feel like if you have John Cena playing the role of the quote unquote like Mr. Mom, like right. Michael Keaton style, yeah. like in previous generations, that would have been a beat that they hit on a lot. Yes. And it didn't feel that way. And I thought that was so progressive. Does that make sense? Yes, because it didn't even occur to me that he was a stay at home dad. Like it didn't, I didn't even realize, like, I, I knew like they were doing something where like the wife is sort of acting more like maybe the traditional husband would do in a movie where if their son was trying to get laid, she kind of comes out and says like, leave them alone. They know what they're up to. Like it's part of being a teenager mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it really wasn't until that moment that I was like, Oh shit. Like I see what they did here. You know, like they flip flopped it again. Um, and it's working. I mean, he's just like in general, he's like a helicopter parent, right? Like he just can't stop like, you know, hovering around his daughter and not just her, but like everything. He just, he seems to be um, like a neat, (laughs) like a neat freak. He's got his fanny pack. Like he's all about rules and all this kind of stuff. So he's got many hangups going on. Yeah. And I didn't bat an eye about like that being his role. And I think that's, I don't know. I thought it was super awesome. Yeah. Because that's not his only role. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not all that he's about. And that's what another thing I want to, you know, I said earlier, that's good about this movie. People feel pretty fleshed out. Absolutely. Like I know, maybe not recently, but I remember talking to like maybe older relatives and it's like, oh, he's a Mr. Mom. Like the uh, the wife does all the work and he's at home. And like it used to be something that was taboo, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, when and, it was sort of new. Yeah. And today it's like whatever, obviously. Um, and I, again, I thought it was great because you could totally have gone like the cheap shot of like, oh, put him in an apron because he's a strong wrestler. But they didn't do that. And that's nice. So, like, you know, they all have their own unique dynamics, but all their daughters still want to get laid. The first scene that really I wrote a lot of notes for and that I really enjoyed was that barbecue scene right before the Oh, prom. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hunter shows up in the limo playing like that. He's like, Tao Cruz, Tao Cruz, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly trying to, like, make up for lost time with his daughter. Uh, it's so awkward. That scene is so awkward. Even, like, John Cena talking to Leslie Mann, like, I've been calling you. What's been, you know, what's been up? What oh, you that, that was hilarious when she's like, well, you should try calling me. And he's like, yeah, I've been calling you. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I like that because I didn't, you know... I, you, you realize like oh they're not really friends like they were forced friends for a while and like this movie they're actually going to become real friends by the end of it and when when uh, hunter shows up and stuff and like they just consider him like a complete embarrassment the the way like his own daughter does and stuff like it's it's hilarious i'm sorry but like i feel like him a lot where like people just don't fucking hear him whatsoever like he will just talk and and people just they'll look over and the people he was talking to will be like doing something else or i mean like did you guys hear what i said did you hear did you hear that you guys heard <laughs> that, that right my favorite like, aspect of the movie because even the camera will trick yes us and we'll all be on him and we'll all be paying attention to him and then it'll go back to them, and they're just completely ignoring him. <laughs> like, that – I have never seen that in a movie before either, but, like, I get that, like, 100%. And so, like, there's a certain amount of, like, empathy I'm going to have for this guy, even though he's, like, you know, a total screw-up. But yet, really, he's the one who, like, knows how to handle the situation best, right? Like, he's the only one sort of thinking clearly in the as clear a state of mind as he can. <laughs> the other two parents are just so sort of, like, blinded 
by anger for the most part. Like, they can't see straight. Yeah, and he's ironically the one who probably knows his daughter the most. Yeah, and better than she almost knows herself, right? He's like, go. Oh. He's like, I don't got to worry about about Sam. She's gay, and they're like, what has did they did he did she tell you? And he's like, she didn't have to tell me. Like, I'm I could t- I'm her dad. Like, I know. And like, sure enough, later in the movie, like she comes out to him, and he, <laughs> you know, it would be like as if the Lisa character could tell that her daughter got into UCLA or something. You know what I'm saying? And like, be cool with that. And then her daughter having to be like, by the way, I applied to move away to college and her and the mom being like, that's cool, honey. But like that, (laughs) but that whole situation is like totally blown. Like that's their rift. So it's funny. Like the priorities. His distance has given him a little bit more perspective and both Lisa and Mitch's character, they're so close that they can't, Mm-hmm. They can't see the situation they're in. And you mentioned, so Lisa's daughter got into UCLA, which she assumes is because of the boyfriend, but it's actually like, it ends up being like the other way around. And yeah. Mitch's daughter, her deal, like she's might be the wildest of them all, you know, and he's the most controlled and he has no idea. Like, oh, she wouldn't do that. You know, the crux of this film really is when they find the text messages on the computer of like their group chat and they start reading it. He's in such denial, like yes. uh, Mitch. Like, it's like, oh, that must mean she has to do this, or that must mean that. That can't mean that. And I love, love how Hunter <laughs> is, like, hip to all of it. Okay, we don't know what they're talking about, so... What? Okay. Oh, is it like puzzles? Oh, ooh, I love puzzles. Just saw Inferno. Yeah, great. What do they say? Okay, so there's something about an eggplant ha- handshake. Eggplant agreement. Yeah, they got an agreement to make eggplant parmesan. No, eggplants are dicks in teenage emoji language. What? You know what? That's true. Julie told me that, that the emojis have, uh, they all have secret meanings. Mm-hmm. So, like, trees are weed, and snowflakes are cocaine, and that thing is Yas Queen. Yas Queen! What the hell's that? You've never heard of Yas Queen? No. All right, Grandpa. Hold on. Julie is making some kind of a dick-related agreement here. Kayla is in on the agreement. No fucking way. Okay, clown face, what the fuck does that mean? That means she's down to clown. Okay. Three eggplants? And look at the drool coming out of that smiley face. You wish that was drool. That's cum, my man. Stand down. It is. Look, it's cum. He's like, Ugh. This is sex if I've ever seen it illustrated in emoji No, 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 no. Maybe not. They're best friends. They're just saying, like, you're okay with me. You're okay to me. You're okay you say that to, to your friends? Like, whenever I see my friends, I go, hey, you're okay with no, me. No, don't use these. Hold on. Agreement hands. Agreement hands. Agreement hands. This is a, it's a sex agreement. They're making a sex pack. I they're gonna lose their virginity on prom night. That cannot be a sex pact. That, that is friendship. And that is, that is the bond of friendship that can never be broken. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Oh, look, they wrote sex pact 2018. I fucking knew it. I love puzzles. I told you guys. Have you seen Inferno? Ladies, oh, have you seen can't. Inferno? Have you guys seen Inferno? I figured out in two seconds. Did you see Inferno? The guy jumps off the thing in the beginning. He's got a virus. Have you seen Inferno with Tom Hanks? Oh, it knows all the know. code. He's like, you don't know Yas Girl? <laughs> meanwhile he's like 43 it's like (laughs) this is a movie yeah of like vignettes uh, and there are great lines but it's also something that like it's one of those like you have to watch it to get the comedic timing we can't replay the movie for you right now you know but it has such great timing in my mind i mean throughout like not just the parents but the kids too like bounce off each other so naturally (laughs) to me it's a movie of like little comedic vignettes when they decide to like stop them from having sex at prom essentially someone says a line like let's let's cock block those motherfuckers you know yeah it's like okay 
That's where we got there. So it's really against. It starts out as just like Mitch and Lisa. But, you know, Hunter's trying to stop them. I love that one line where John Cena puts the uh, car window down. And he's like, you're not Schwarzenegger. He's like, holy fuck. You know? <laughs> it's just a bunch of good moments early on. A couple early story beats. You mentioned how uh, John Cena's daughter is a lesbian. And she has that interaction with that other girl at school. And her kind of like motivation for losing her virginity or at least trying to is just to kind of make sure she's a lesbian if that makes sense oh yeah there's there's like some i can't remember there's such a great line in the movie where someone's like well that's what uh so john cena finds like a like a cigarette filter or what he thinks is a cigarette filter in his daughter's like pocket or something and He's like, how many times have I told you, like, or it's something along the lines of, like, you know never to smoke a cigarette. Like, how many times have you heard never do that or whatever? And and it comes out where it's like, well, like, if you never try, like, you're supposed to try things. That's how you learn whether you not you like it or not. You know, if you never try it, how do you know if you like it? And so, like, it was kind of funny how that is threaded throughout the entire movie without me even realizing it. Yeah, no, this is like a well-written film. (laughs) You know, and they all have, again, their, like, motivations. I feel like John Cena's daughter is more just like, I want to get laid, you know? She's, like, the most hypersexual. And again, that's fine. She's a fucking teenager. Mm -hmm. Leslie Mann's daughter is more... She has, like, a long-term boyfriend. She really likes him, you know, and uh, it's something that she just wants to try. And then Hunter's daughter, she, like, again, she is uh, a lesbian, and she, well, she's a kind of unsure about herself. She has a crush on another girl, the girl with a cape, who I thought was great. But she's dating Chad, who you mentioned is the guy in the van, the redhead. <laughs> and she kind of wants to just see if it's something she's into or not. Like, even... The, the girl she has a crush on is like, oh, she's like, how did you find out that you were gay? She's like, oh, basically, I touched what's-his-name's dick, and I just wasn't into it. Right, she tried it. Yeah. Right, yeah. It goes back to exactly what you said. So, again, I love how they're all on this, this mission. Um, one line that I wrote down that cracked me up. When Julie says to her boyfriend, like, oh, you know, I... I I think it's going to be special, like, you know, something along like wanting a romantic time. Mm. So, yeah, she brings up, she's like, oh, I want it to be perfect, like that romantic comedy uh, American Beauty with the rose petals. And then the guy goes, did you see the ending to that film? <laughs> Are you sure you saw the whole movie? <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> but it's it's so good because it's, that's like the teenage perspective of what, you know, losing your virginity should be. <laughs> you know to some people to some people not yeah, everyone no well, but... well like yeah like this i mean i think this movie does a good job of sort of um proving and disproving certain archetypes like it's okay to want to lose your virginity and to want to make it special you know what i'm saying and like you know renting the hotel room putting down the flowers all that stuff like that's great it's romantic and you're gonna create like a great memory but it's also fine if you just want to fuck right and like <laughs> It's true. That doesn't end up happening. You know, I'm thinking specifically, I think, with, like, uh, the Kayla character, right, who just seems Mm -hmm. to be on a tear throughout this entire movie. And I think they're also sort of maybe making more fun of, like, what guys would actually be portrayed as doing, too, right, a little bit. Like, she's (laughs) sort of a little more testosterone in her system, I think, than the other two. (laughs) But still, like, yeah, I think they're trying to just, you know, get those different sort of points across as best they can and I, I guess that's why I was glad that this wasn't just the parents like for as as little as we get what they end up doing with the kids like is really fleshed out like 
You know, like I feel like we don't need to hear a lot to get what's going on with all of them. So yeah, um, no, for sure. Yeah, and it it kind of goes in like there are like three big set pieces of this film. I know there's like side pieces and getting to Mm -hmm. uh, people's you know car rides, which we'll talk about. But the first like major set piece is prom, right? Yeah, the actual like dance. Yes, the actual dance, the actual prom. And there's not too much time spent in prom here, but it's great with the photos and the conversations. And when the parents show up to prom, it's so embarrassing. And, and it's great. And it, they kind of lay low. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That moment was so good as well. It's uh, This I mean, is my moment. <laughs> what, did you t- what was your moment in this prom scene? Was there anything you took from it? Well, again, I love how, you know, the one guy they never listened to is the voice of reason when he's like, we shouldn't be doing this. Shouldn't go-? And he's just like, fuck this. Like, it's not going to turn out good at all. And then there's a shot of him having, he's like, I'm just going to go get some punch. And he's having some punch. And he just leans over to one of the students and just goes, prom. <laughs> huh? And she's like, what? And he's like, no, I'm just saying, ne- nah, never mind. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. This is a movie of like one-liners and beats and little moments like that. They're so great because he definitely feels like he's cooler than the rest of the parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this also like really um, sort of solidifies how like uh, Lisa and Mitchell are like they're sort of like together on this, right? Like they've they've sort of excluded Hunter from the beginning anyway. He's just sort of like hanging on for dear life and stuff. But like they are literally like the same character for a while coming on which i don't mind you know like but i feel like until the car crash like they kind of play the same role or the same sort of vibe you know what i'm getting at which isn't bad again but i'm just saying like it's interesting how hunter is like the voice of reason (laughs) oh that's interesting yeah like i didn't pick up on that but you're totally right (laughs) again there's just so many little beats in here that it's hard to touch on all them like i know we skipped like when lisa first got pregnant it was like because she was following Dave Matthews on the road and stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's like a lot of little stuff like that. Or even the character that John Cena's daughter, Kayla, is, is taken to prom is just like, he's an interesting cat, right? Oh, yeah. The chef. He's like, we might have sex. We might. Yeah, the chef. We might have sex. We might not. Like, he's not sure. But he's all about like, he just concocts drug recipes into different cookies. But he takes it very seriously. Not like just cookies. Bakers. But like, yeah, he bakes drugs into desserts basically and has a has one of those top knot buttons things like he's the he he i would say is probably the one thing that is like the most modern about this movie is the way this kid <laughs> looks right is like where it's like all right like he's definitely you know he's got like a brother that lives in brooklyn or something like that like this kid <laughs> but like everyone no one else really feels not that he feels dated or anything but i'm just saying there doesn't seem to be like any more modern um, sort of like things attached to like any of these other kids, you know, like I feel like Julie's all American. Kayla is sort of the jock and, you know, Sam is sort of the outsider. Um, and like you mentioned, like there's so many little beats and jokes and moments and stuff because like, that's what makes a difference. Like this movie isn't, you know, like we've mentioned so many movies that this is like, and what makes it better or worse or good or bad are, are all the in-between moments. Like, we know these beats back and forth. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we could watch this movie with our eyes closed. <laughs> or we could write a version of it tomorrow, you know, just like you could outline this movie in 15 minutes. Uh, it's all the stuff, like, that everyone's bringing that's infusing it with what's making it original, you know? And so it's like all, oh, yeah. all that stuff, though, is, like, is working. I'd say there's maybe... Great perform- 
yeah, so great performances. Like I'd say there's maybe only like two moments in the movie that not that they don't even work for me, but like are just kind of jarring, you know, like there's one, <laughs> there's one cut in the movie that like, I don't want to say, it's not like unforgettable. You kind of really got to fill in the blanks as to what happened. But like the second time that the parents go to get information from the sex crazed parents like it just sort of ends without knowing how they got out of that situation and now i'm willing to give the movie it because it's so late in the game and and it ended on a climactic moment uh if you will uh so i don't i could sort of presume what went on between the two cuts of that of that of, the, of that sequence but i'm just saying like it's not like it's flawless or anything like it has like dents in the armor here and there but aside from just a few of those little things like man this thing holds up i'm not a big gross out guy i guess people can probably glean that from our horror chats Mm -hmm. but i'm not like into seeing all this Uh, you mentioned like the sex crazed couple gary cole and gina gershon let's uh you know let's quickly divert to them okay (laughs) so so they're they're the austin's parents who like uh that's um lisa's daughter's boyfriend and they're just again. I'll say they're sex crazed. They have these they're sexual open. games. <laughs> yeah, open. They they share it with their son. Like they text him about That's it. That's too far. And it seems like, it's way too far. And it seems like they're having sex all night. Because <laughs> every time they go back, there are different sexual scenarios. Games being there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. So it is funny. I I get it when they they so they at one time invade the home because they know that. Austin texts everything to his parents, and they know they could find out everywhere they need to go by seeing his text messages. It's a little far-fetched, but whatever. And they try to sneak in, but did you like that Jurassic Park uh, kind of illusion? Oh, like yeah. He's, he's hiding by the stove. But uh, John Cena is like tasked with going in at first. Eventually, uh, Hunter goes in as well. And basically, they have to like pretend they're each other's partner who... There's a blindfold thing going on. Like, it's, it's like really weird... kind of clever in the way that um, it escalates. Like, I thought it was really good. And it how they, funny. And how they have I to, like, laughing. act as e- as each of the parent. Like, that was, I don't know. Yeah, it was like, oh, grab my balls, do this, touch that. And they have to do that to the opposite partner. Yeah. <laughs> really funny scene. I did not need to see balls. I'll put it that way. Well, you know? I mean, how many? But that's the thing, like... I'm not saying like I was glad to see like a guy's dick or anything, but but I will say like like it shouldn't be a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's sh- I don't know. Like it's I, funny I, that it was played for laughs because that's where we are. You know what I'm saying? That's just where we are. Like if it was a pair of tits or something, like you know, no one would. It, it would be like, of hey, course, you're not wrong. You know, hey, you're not wrong. <laughs> and so yes, it's jarring and stuff, but it's almost playing to the audience in a way, like. Like, it's, it's so in your face as to say, like, yeah, you shouldn't be ignoring this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the kind, you know, like, since it's been gone <laughs> for wrong. so since it's been gone for so long or it hasn't been around, like, we're giving it screen time where we can now. And, like, except, I think, so, like, yeah, so, like, it kind of reminds me of what, like, was going on with Danny McBride and the Righteous Gemstones this season. Like, almost every episode has a naked guy full frontal in it and stuff, you know? And so it's just, like... <laughs> You know, man, like it's it's here. The uh, moratorium has been lifted. No, I, I'm all for that. But like, if this is like punishment for seeing all these like 
women's breasts all these years in films, I'll take it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that. the thing. It's like, that's funny how, I mean, I don't want to get like too deep about it or anything like that, but it's funny how it's like, you kind of like see it as punishment and stuff like that. Whereas like some people are very glad to be seeing this now, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, okay. Yes. In that sense, but I don't think it's this is depicted as something hot. The, the very I don't know. I mean, get. Gary Cole is a type. Uh, that's for certain. And they're walking, you know, I'm just saying, like, and not that it's okay. not hilarious. I mean, it is hilarious. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not saying, I'm saying it's, I don't think that's the reason. Like, that puts it over the edge, of course, but like, it works with or without it. No, I agree. I agree with that. And if any of you out there were attracted by that, uh, you know, hyper close shot of, Gary Cole's junk. Please let us know. know. Gary's Cole. (laughs) But, okay, so I'm glad we talked about those parents so we can not talk about them again. You've been alluding to this scene before, and I'm curious to your thoughts. So after prom, the first after party is at, like, some kid's house, and the parents infiltrate. And I love how first they pretend that they're, like, kids, but obviously they're not going to get away with that. John Cena doesn't even want to untuck his shirt or whatever, but to kind of prove who he is and prove that they're down with it and down with the party. You know, their kids are at this party, but they're not really spotted too much. They're trying to they're trying to stop what's going on. But um, to prove their kind of value, if you will, one of them, and they choose John Cena, of course, has to. And I never heard of this before. Maybe you have, so maybe you can enlighten me on it. But that's the butt chug some beer which is essentially mm-hmm. taking a beer bong sticking it up your butthole by the way i love leslie mann's line she's like not that i do this often you relax <laughs> it'll be better I, I've ha- i have had experience <laughs> with stuff up there wait wait uh you lube it up with something first yeah i'll just spit on it no why because i'm a man get over yourself no because you're fucking gross and your fucking saliva's gross i have, I have lip gloss i got lip gloss fine shit i don't have lip gloss all right guys let's get those tubes in all right i got the lip gloss on there okay okay, okay. okay ready ow 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 it's not in yet okay Chill. so it's just gonna be on the count of three you got this dog this is for your kid on three okay on right. three yep okay one. one. Oh. oh are you okay Okay, get your 40s. They got a lager or an IPA. Oh, does it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. I don't know about this. No, 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 no. It's too late. It's already in. It's in you. It's part of you now. Ready? Yeah. Set. Chug. Butt chug. Butt chug. Butt chug. Butt chug. Hey, hey. It's not working, dude. I can't. You can hold my hand. Okay. Ow. I'm hurting her. I'm sorry. Oh, I am, I am tripping so hard. It's not working. It's not working, dude. Oh, it's terrible. It is. Open up. Sorry, I, I can't do it, man. Focus for your daughter. Fuck, bitch. Focus. You gotta open up, dude. Relax. I'm relaxed. I'm dilated. I'm staring at your asshole. You're not dilating. Mitchell, you're gonna lose to this punk bitch. Breathe. Take it in. There we go. Okay, oh, good. Oh, 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 Holy shit. Holy shit. We're almost halfway done. Pose, fucking run. Oh, 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 oh,
again, this was like the big thing from the trailer. They have to pour what well, looked like fucking Colt forty fives. Yeah, something. like a whole forty. <laughs> I love a uh, I love Hunter's line. He's like, okay, so they have lagers or IPAs. What do you want? Like, Never mind. <laughs> okay, so what did you think of this funnel in John Cena's butt sequence? Because we have to talk about it. Yeah. So you know, I'd rather this be something else, you know, but. But the but like in another movie, this would have been like played seriously between two bros, you know, like let's butt chug, woohoo, you know, <laughs> and so that they're using it as sort of this like cultural thing where it's like, yeah, parents will be stupid enough to fall for this, thinking that this is something that a stupid kid would be stupid enough to do plays really well for me because like I also was like yeah these kids are totally just gonna do it too they're not gonna not do it and then I was like oh no like I'm a dumb parent like or at least I'm an old dude they're just pranking them the whole time uh, but it, it also could have been shot a lot worse right like they could it could be way more graphic and I think they do a good job of getting through it is basically where I fall down on it you know I've really it could have gone way further. I mean, it already goes too far. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. But, like, I would just, I kept watching. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't one of those moments that ruined the whole movie for me or anything. So that's what I was so, most surprised about. I was recently having a conversation with you know, our mutual friend, the foodie films man himself, Kyle. It might not have been that recent, but it's something we've talked about with. Have you seen the film Goon, the hockey movie? Yes. Now, that film has a lot of heart. I think it's a great movie. And... Some of the worst parts of it are, like, the gross-out moments. Not, like, the fighting, because that's part of it. But, like, Jay Baruchel, who I think, like, wrote it or he even directed it, he has a lot of just, like, vulgar lines and a lot of, like, stupid stuff. And that, to me, took away from how good that movie is. And I'm not saying that this butt-chugging took away from it, because I thought it was hilarious to see John Cena do that. But I think that, like, the producers and the people just making this film overall thought because, like, oh, we made Superbad, we made... Uh, whatever other movies they made, you know, thought that they needed more of these gross-out movies to sell it. And I don't think they did. I'm Again, I'm not saying that it took me away from the movie at all. But, you, you know, you mentioned the trailer already. The way it was cut, I think they were thought that, like, oh, people want to see gross-out. People want to see stuff like this. And in reality, what makes me love this movie and remember this movie is not the gross-out moments. I laughed. But it's the heart and yes. how well it's acted and how good the characters are. And I, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between what they think we want to see and what we actually ended up enjoying. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Because my favorite moments are the heart hearts at the end of the movie when, when the parents have learned something. And they, <laughs> you know, it felt to me like a reshoot moment. Like it felt like they probably had something going on at the party and it didn't test well or wacky enough or or maybe, you know, executives got cold feet or whatever and, and they decided we could punch it up by making it raunch. Or, you know, someone watched it and was like, it's not raunchy enough. Like where's all the gross out humor, you know? And so I could see that maybe they had the vomit sequence, but like they needed something more. Oh God! You know, <laughs> so like, and maybe that even feels beefed up. It almost feels like they got an extra shot of the driver. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case with some of with some of that. But also, having said that, since it's here, it's like done as best as it can be done, which mm-hmm. is like a miracle to say you know like (laughs) considering it's the shot in the trailer that kept me away from theaters it's the lowest moment of the movie too and 
and it still manages to sort of keep its head above water somehow. Yeah, I think it's tied with the vomit scene, but you're absolutely right. Uh, just because it, it does get a little graphic, it's like the beer is not going in. You know? I feel like the vomit is a little more traditional too, and it fair, served. Fair. It's, We've never seen this on film, that's, and it it ended up servicing the story as well, right? Like it had repercussions that lasted throughout the rest of the film, unlike you know, sticking a beer bong up your ass, which was just, (laughs) it was for that scene. You know what I mean? And like everything that happened during the vomit scene actually had repercussions. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. At least you're right. It did fit in. You know, we've seen vomit scenes like that. Even going back to what, Stand By Me has one, right? (laughs) Right, right. Like a very famous one. It's something that, yeah, there's a tradition of that. I don't think there's a tradition, at least not in the movies I watch, of people taking beer up their buttholes. So. <laughs> I mean, I've I've heard of, you know, beer bong. I've never heard of this, though. Like, even, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I've been to some crazy high school parties in my day, but I've never seen that happening. So that was just another thing of me just being like, is kids just, like, really reaching for stuff to do? <laughs> I mean, I've heard, like, people putting cocaine, right, in their butt. Like, that's always, like, a rock legend, right? Oh, yeah, but, and like, I, I think I've heard maybe hard liquor, like vodka and stuff, but, like... Really? Yeah. Well, there's just something about... Oh, are we getting into this? <laughs> <laughs> the absorbency, shall we say? Um, but I've just never seen it done sort of as sport, as, like, a drinking game. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe we're talking about this. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we want, like, let's talk about, though, like, maybe not the vomit scene, but the whole car chase that occurs uh, a little bit after this. WWVDD. Yeah, we get our Fast and Furious moment, which is so awesome. I love when, oh my god, dude. It's so great when he's like, have you guys so, seen the yeah. Fast and Furious movie? She's like, I've seen the one in Tokyo and part eight. And he's like, those are the only ones you need to see. All right, here's what we're going to do. Lisa, I have seen every single Fast and the Furious movie, okay? All of them, dozens of times. Have you seen any of them? I saw the Tokyo one and I saw the one where the rock punches the torpedo. Those are the best two to see. Okay, in times like this, I ask myself one question. WWVDD, you know what that means? What would Vin Diesel do? Holy shit, no one's ever fucking gotten that before, okay. What we're gonna do, we're gonna kiss the bumper. You give it a little tap and then okay. they're gonna spin and stop and we're gonna spin and stop the other way and okay. we're gonna look at each other and we're gonna go, it's all about the family. Wait, I don't feel comfortable running the kids off the road. This slow and unfurious attitude is not helping us. You have to believe. Okay, I'm gonna kiss it. Here we go. <sighs> Did I do it? No, you didn't even kiss it. You gotta kiss it. Okay. Kiss it for the family. Is that Sam? Sam? Yeah, she specifically says, I've seen the one in Tokyo and the one where the rock punches a torpedo. That's it. The one where the rock punches a torpedo. (laughs) And he goes, without hesitation, those are the only ones you need to see. Um, So just to set the scene, right? Like, So the limo driver who we mentioned before... He says, like, my prom night was ruined because I shattered my leg, so I'm here to make your prom night awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he sees the parents are, like, tailing. He's like, nah So they do, like, a car race, and Hunter asks them, like, oh, have you seen, again, The Fast and Furious? And he says, oh, there's a movie you have to do. You, you, you kiss the bumper oh, yes. of one of the cars. You and just got to give it a little kiss. Each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. 
and again, maybe we just love it too much because our boys are close podcast friends through too fast oh, yeah. forever so you and i have both been on that show you were on a whole lap god dude sakes. the two joes i mean they're the fast bros but like you know when he goes you know wwvd and she goes what would vin diesel do and he goes holy fucking shit like i can't believe you actually know what that meant <laughs> i lost my mind it's so good and i don't know again i'll say it again but like, i don't know if it's us just reacting part of it is for sure for sure fans of that <laughs> series but just like that moment is so good and they end up like crashing their car into a ditch and that's a little silly right like you know there's a whole vomiting scene and the vomit's like projectile and it's getting gross and we don't need to talk about that anymore i don't think but when they're in a ditch and the cars are completely vertical and they like lean back and then we'll put it and then it doesn't go that way like it's just it's a lot of visual gags yeah but to me the visual gags are complemented by the dialogue that is just so funny. Yeah, it's driven by the story and by a character emotion and things like that and everything. So I could totally see them winding up in a ditch. First of all, I could also see like these kids have been partying so hard that one of them would throw up out of the sunroof like that. <laughs> I also love the moment after they crash when when Leslie Mann is like pushing the car and John Cena's like, "What are you doing? I couldn't even do that." And he's, she's like, "Well, in a moments of crisis, like I've heard, like people get like extraordinary strength, and you know, like the woman who lifted a car to save her baby." And he's like, "I, I'm not sure that this is this applies to that situation." <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I think like all this stuff, like in this sequence is sold much better. Like the gross out stuff is almost like a byproduct of the storytelling. You know what I'm saying? Like this moment needed to happen. I feel like they almost needed to catch the kids. The kids needed to get sick and reach sort of like a dark night of the soul moment where they, you know, ruin their prom almost. And they have to go like get clothes at the stop and shop or the quickie mart or whatever. And you know what I'm saying? Like it needed... We needed to get here somehow, so I feel like they, they did a pretty good job. And you know that was probably there's probably a note more vomit, you know. There there usually <laughs> there usually is. Yeah, I definitely agree. While it wasn't my favorite thing to see visually, it did fit in uh, with the story, and it's just oof. you know we're moving right along in this film, and that, yeah. that's how it feels like. Right? I love films that take place in one night because. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, I didn't feel like this film dragged at all. Like, no. we're just moving and moving and moving. Yeah, it's quick, too. I mean, with credits, it's like an hour and 40 minutes, you know? So Great. You know, great. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> oh, okay, so let's get, not to the ending, but let's get to, like, at least our last set piece, which is the hotel. Yeah. And I don't know, what did you guys do after prom? We'll, we'll bring it back to prom. I know I said I wouldn't, but when you were when you were a high schooler, do you know what the kids oh, did after man. prom? Oof, this was forever ago we dialed up the old internet no <laughs> so after senior prom we all went down to seaside yeah that was the tradition at my school as well yeah and then the next day basically like half of us got like kicked out of where we were staying i guess i don't know <laughs> for partying and stuff and then i think i ended up just leaving that day anyway or something but yeah everyone ended up going down the shore now my school did that i didn't end up going down to sh the shore uh, i forgot what i did but it wasn't something like I, i'm not trying to diss it or anything but i for i did something else that was like somewhat similar but not like the crazy party with everyone right. i just didn't you know i didn't feel like doing that i know my brothers did that and a lot of other people did that but there's always like an after prom location our senior prom was actually 
at a hotel, I th- not far from you, you know, like the Sheridan Crossroads. Oh yeah, that's where my prom was too. I think almost every Bergen County prom was there. You just call it um, the prom hotel. <laughs> so a lot of kids got hotel rooms there. So instead of going down the shore that night, they would ah. kind of have like an easy party there, which I thought was pretty cool. And it reminded me because like that hotel is not that dissimilar to this hotel right here. Yeah, you know, similar it's like a vibes. Big, a big hotel. Like this is not like a little like. No. in on the corner, you know? Like right. It's, not um, a Howard Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a Hojo on the side of Route 4. <laughs> the, the, you know, this is like a big hotel, and they have like... This is where they're going to lose their virginity. Like, <laughs> this is where we get our resolution to almost everything, pretty much, right? In terms of the girls, they've been going on their own little journey. I love how basically the parents have no sort of say or consequence in their decisions like they come to the decision on their own before the parents like even show up almost right it's so it's like you know they've sort of matured enough along the way to be like i'm not gonna have sex or i am gonna have sex or like i am gay or whatever you know what i mean like and then the parents show up like for the aftermath and either get pissed off or don't or whatever kind of thing. But I, I thought that was hilarious how like their whole mission was almost for nothing at all. I almost wondered if that was part of the joke. I made such a similar note to that. I said we could have watched two separate movies. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have watched one of the parents chasing the kids and one of the kids having their own journey. And nobody convinces anyone of anything. But that, <laughs> that's great because that's it was so much more realistic that way. Yeah, yeah, because the parents taught each other and the kids taught each other like you know you would expect them to learn lessons you know the parents teach the kids or the kids taught them whatever but like no they all growed on their own (laughs) yeah and it was ironically the most douchey the most like the parent who you think would be the worst hunter yeah had it right all along right he's a kid's (laughs) got to make mistakes especially when they get to this level and they'll figure it out on their own you know you don't need to be helicopter parent and i know he's kind of a dick he hasn't seen her in a while and he Mm -hmm. he plays up his dickness but he actually ends up being the sage of the film kind of i think is so brilliant kind of the responsible one in this situation right (laughs) but and it's also weird how he has sort of the most arrested development like he can think like a teenager because technically like he still kind of oh, is a teenager. That's so good. And, I didn't even see that, but you're so <laughs> right. And like you're making so right. the other two, making them such crazy parents, you know, like they've lost that. They can't see that or anything. And so, yeah, I think that's what makes like the Hunter character work so well. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Let's tie a little bow on the storylines of the girls, right? So Julie, again, Lisa's daughter, they originally are almost going to have sex, but in the house party, but she's like, it doesn't feel right. Uh, eventually, when she talks about it with her friend, it's uh, Kayla who kind of sets up the bedroom to make it more her style, I guess, like with the rose petals and the candles mm-hmm. and all that. And they end up, you know, having sex for the first time. And it's, we don't see it, thank God, but it's very nice and intimate. But the comedy of it is that like Leslie Mann, Lisa... <laughs> goes into the room to stop it and she hides and she <laughs> realizes that uh well first she i love it it's a nice actually beautiful moment she sees it and she's like oh my god this is really nice and you could almost tell just and there's no dialogue right but she could almost tell like wow i kind of wish i lost my virginity this way <laughs> yeah like this is okay like i have nothing to worry about <laughs> yeah and oh god what a nightmare moment for a parent though that like she's stuck in the room with her daughter losing her virginity i mean this um, is such a tired 
premise. Like this goes back to silent films, but it played so perfectly. <laughs> right. It was so perfect for this little moment. You know, I was like, oh shit, I hope we don't play this out too long. And we don't. She just kind of like tumbles away and works her way, like sneaks her way out of the room and it's she's, great and she's out. Great. Yeah. She gets shocked. She does the little tuck and roll kind of thing. She makes for the exit and, and it's over. I thought it was just this perfect little quiet little sequence. And just to go to what you were saying, um, she has no influence of over what happens. Right. right. I thought if she stopped it or they found out she was there, it kind of would have ruined the scene. But it's, again, two stories happening at once that just slightly drift off from each other because, again, she realizes, again, I'm sure she's grossed out, but she also is like, this is not that bad. No. If if it's going to happen, this is probably the ideal situation. And I think everyone agrees with that. Like, if a teenager is going to lose their virginity at prom, yeah, like, I, with a long-term partner and candles and and Well, that's the thing. I, I think she learned that her daughter's in control, right? And I think that's maybe one of the things that she was most worried about is maybe she was being pressured into this or things like that. Because that's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. most common thing you think of, you know? But one thing that's incredible about this movie is it's all the girls' decisions, you know? The boys have no idea that they're going to get laid that night. Like, it doesn't even (laughs) feel like it crosses their mind at any point, really. And then at some stage during the evening, the girls are just like, we're going to have sex. We're going to do it. And the guys are just like, well, okay. Like, they almost each play it off in, like, these different realistic ways where the long-term boyfriend's like, yeah, I think we're ready for it. The sort of, like, the science buddy or whatever is like, "Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, we'll see. And then Chad is just like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I love Chad. I feel for him. Oh, he's great. Him and his fedora. I mean, just because he's the coolest kid in school does not mean you get to go around (laughs) losing your virginity to him. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Let's talk about, like, that quickly. Like, so Hunter originally is kind of okay for whatever reason that his daughter is a lesbian kind of old school thinking but once he sees that she's with chad he builds chad up in his mind so badly like in the line that you just said like oh just because he's the coolest kid in school like i'm gonna shove his fedora up his ass so hard that it's gonna become a hat like what I feel like this movie does a good job of not being... It's not like a bully kind of movie where, like, you know, I just feel like Chad in another film would be the butt of every joke. And in this, there isn't a, like... He isn't, you know? Like, he's not a joke at all. He's just, like, a normal guy. Like, he's accepted for who he is and everything and all that. And I feel like there's a lot of times in this movie where a character or a person will come along and be like, well, that's... In another movie, I don't know, like, if that would be accepted, you know, by a character or something, but this movie has such, like, a positive overtone to it, where it's just, like, everybody's accepted for who they are in this film. That was uh, refreshing, you know? That was, like, a nice, that's a nice message to have in there. Yes, of course, Chad's a dork, quote-unquote, but I never saw him, him, like, as the loser. He seems like an actual nice guy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when they're having their, uh, at least try at sex... Like, she starts with it. She, like, grabs his dick or whatever. And she's like, you know, I really can't do this. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, he totally is okay with it. He ends up ejaculating on her. But, like, it's not in a gross way. It's almost just he was just so excited to be there. And he's totally like, you know, thank you. That was cool. Like, they both have. (laughs) He was not angry. He's not like, oh. like (laughs) Right. They seem pretty well adjusted. Like, it's weird, but they seem like they're friends more than they are are, uh, partners. And it's... It's great. It's great to see. Well, it just because that's more normal. Like I feel like that's more like reality. You know, things aren't always so black and white in in the real world as much as they are in films, right? Like, because we're used absolutely. to the scene in the movie where the guy prematurely ejaculates and then like an argument breaks out or something like that. You know, <laughs> but like that's not what really goes down. Exactly. And Kayla's 
uh, arc is that, you know, they're going to have sex, but she just decides, you know, it's not the moment for her. It's not something she wants to do at that point. And and uh, the the chef is, like, cool with it, too, because he was kind of on the fence about it before that. Yeah, he so, had not, no expectations. He just had zero, right? That was not on his mind. And I love that, too. He would, like, none of these guys are portrayed as, like, these sex-craved maniacs or anything. Like, it's not their mission to get laid on prom, either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's something just relaxing about that. And it shows that, despite these parents being concerned of how their children were raised, they actually all did a pretty good job, because yeah. all their daughters were pretty good at determining who they could be themselves around who could they could be safe around and at times it didn't seem like that like someone like the chef like you might get scared of but he ended up not being that bad of a guy and yeah for a drug dealer he's like (laughs) (laughs) right like he he's almost like i don't want to say like He's not the Julia Child of, like, drug dealers and stuff. And, but, like, he goes so in-depth as to, like, the ramifications and the side effects and things, right? Like, he's the nicest person that you'd ever want to buy drugs from. Let's go little foodie films here. I oh. could see this guy eventually... In college, you know, he's still going to be into the drugs or whatever. But I could see this guy eventually becoming an actual chef. And, and like, he might finally tell someone, like, hey, I got my start, like, baking drugs into things. And then I realized I really enjoyed baking. And, you know, maybe in yeah. 10, 20 years, he's a top pastry chef, and it's not even about that. Like, hey, he yeah. seems like he's got that personality. I see this is, like, the character that started that show Bong Appetit on Vice, you know, where B real judges people who bake cannabis into their food and stuff like yeah this this character has a future absolutely and i know i sound corny but one of the most like heartwarming like i felt like the grinch my heart growing couple sizes (laughs) moments when they all have their little interactions with their parents right yes at a certain point lisa talks to her daughter about going to school and they that does that one doesn't end 100 percent well but it comes to like a nice little conclusion of like, okay, I get it, you know? But the one I've really liked, well, okay, the, the John Cena Kayla one is interesting as well because he, <laughs> he beats up the chef. Like yeah, he does he a full on wrestling move to yeah, him. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm okay, it's all good. <laughs> so that one doesn't end perfectly either. To me, it was very realistic as parents. Like, you're not going to get a complete resolution, but at least they were able to come to some kind of like, oh, okay, you're all right? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, like, what I loved about it is the parents don't get, like, they don't win the argument. Not that it's an argument or anything like that, but, like, the kid's point is more valid, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. And the parents realize, like, oh, yeah, like, I've kind of been blowing this out of proportion and acting crazy because of other things going on. Like, the the, the kids wanting to lose their virginity is sort of just, like, something they can hang their hat on for the rest of their problems, whatever those may be that come up throughout the movie, you know? And, and so I liked how it's more about the children being like, I'm okay, right? Than the parents being like, we're yeah. okay. And then through the kids being fine, the, they, there's that great scene where they all meet down at the bar and they're all like, yeah, we're all good. Yeah, it's so nice. I love that scene. Uh, just really quickly before it, because I did want to mention, like, I got most emotional at Hunter and Sam's interaction. Oh, for sure. Dad? Where is he? What are you doing here? Chad? Hey, Chad, you motherfucker. Oh, my God, are you kidding me? Did he make you do something you don't want to do? Because I don't care if he's the fucking coolest kid in school. I'm going to shove his fedora so far up his ass, it'll be a hat. No, Dad, we didn't do it. All right, and even if we did, it would be none of your business. It's just, I was worried about you. 
Well, that's a first. I deserve that. Sam, I gotta tell you something, and I'm just gonna say it. <sighs> Sam, I have realized over the last few years that I have made a big mistake in my life. What, like cheating on my mom? Well, no, marrying your mom. But no, that, that wasn't a mistake because then I wouldn't have had you. At... I've made lots of mistakes, but the big mistake is that I let what happened between your mom and I get in the way of our relationship. Sorry. And I hope that we can start over and build up our relationship again because you're my only kid. And I'm your only dad. Well, Frank is. Fuck Frank. <laughs> Frank's fine. Dad, can I tell you something now? Yes. Yes, 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 anything. I'm a lesbian. What does your mom think? She doesn't know. You told me before you told your mom? Yeah. That's big news. She doesn't know. You didn't tell Frank. <laughs> It's over. What do your girlfriends think? No, I'm too nervous. I can't tell them. You're nervous to tell Kayla and Julie? It's just, I don't want to lose my two best friends. This is the stuff you tell the people you care about. You think they're not going to support you because you're gay? They would support you if you were a vampire. They would support you more. All the Twilight shit. <laughs> do we still like Twilight? Definitely not. No, no. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for showing up. Really, but you should probably leave because it's insane that you even came here in the first place. She basically is like, I'm a lesbian. He's like, oh, you know, I love you. And he's just like, they have a really nice moment. Like, I want to be there for you. And it's like, the, again, from a character who at the beginning seemed like the biggest dick in the film, it, they have the cutest, nicest, sweetest moment. <sighs> Though I do like on the side that he's like, you told me before, Mom? Oh, and your friends? That, that was great, yeah. yeah. And it's like, best parent ever. Dude, I gotta say, I almost, I started tearing up. If, it, if the scene went on an extra minute, like, couple seconds, I full-on would have cried when he was gonna take their picture, and he doesn't. Oh my god, yes. And he's like, I'm never gonna forget this. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that moment landed that hard in, in this movie. I was like, it did From it. From the un most unlikely character. Yeah, I was like, oh man, this movie did it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh my God. Right? Like, I'm like, what? Blockers is tugging at my heart. <laughs> and then you're right. They have that little great moment at the uh, at the bar where they're like, it's just a call back to the first scene. Like, you want to grab a drink? Yeah. If you think about it, and we, we've kind of been dancing around this, this is a movie where a lot of things happen, but nothing really 
changes. Like it just well, they change the night that would have been. You know, the like, parents. The parents. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, the yeah. events. People change. The events do not. Like yes. nothing is really skewed. Well, that's what I love about certain stories. Is I feel like more recently, and not just on our podcast and stuff, but like on the internet and stuff, like sort of. Movies have been referred to as, like, being Mad Libs or something, where it's like, insert this, that, and the other thing into a horror movie, and there you go. Or, like, just change this, that, and the other, and it's a completely different type of drama or whatever. But, like, this is a very good example of the why I feel like what people are trying to say when they bring that up. And it's not that the movie's cheap or bad or, or stupid or anything like that, but just that there are certain stories that are universal and will always work, and... And I think, you know, this type of story is so ingrained in popular culture right now over the decades of high school films that you could do, you know, you could swap it out and be like, oh, a a movie about teenagers losing their virginity from the parents' perspective, right? Or a movie about teenagers losing their virginities that aren't a bunch of dudes this time, right? So, like, while either of these could have worked on their own, like, they worked really well together also, you know? So... I just love that about this movie and this story. It's like, it just, you, all you could do is screw it up, right? And like, <laughs> they didn't at all. No. Uh, you know, we'll go into like ratings a little bit later. And I mean, it has it has a couple endings because the movie to me could have ended right here at this bar, right? Yeah. We do, we do get, I mean, I'm not saying I don't enjoy the next couple scenes because we do get a scene three months later, which I cracked up about. Like they're all going to college. They're doing a road trip because... Um, Leslie Mann's daughter has is going to UCLA, and it's nice to see that they've all become friends again. I guess like the parents, right, I'm saying. right, right. And they they play a little uh, prank on their parents that they pretend they accidentally include uh, Lisa in the group text, and it's just all a bunch of emojis that are ridiculous, right? There's like one with like a a syringe going into an eggplant. Yeah. Like, what does this mean? But it is funny. I laughed, and then you know. What does he say? The good one was uh, we're gonna get lit AF, and uh, and <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, the hunter's like, no, that ain't. That's not good. I don't know. And and John Cena's like, what? They're gonna get literature and Af- African American literature. He's like, yeah, yeah. Do you really <laughs> think that's what that means? They're gonna get lit as fuck. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Oh, that was so good. I laughed so hard. The look on his face when he's just like lit AF. Hmm. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I guess our final, like, either credits or post credits or whatever it is. Oh, is that's right. John Cena and his wife, who we shouldn't, we didn't mention too much. Um, you know, she really defends her daughter a lot. She, uh, she says like, let them make the mistakes. You know, uh, sh- she's. I-, I thought she was actually a great character, but they try like the whole blindfold sex game. Yeah, <laughs> the daughter. The daughter walks in on them, and that's where we cut it off. It's like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's if uh, it feels like they shot that and didn't know like where to put it in the movie, and so they just like tagged it onto the end or something. And it's okay. Yeah, what, uh, whatever. It's just like a silly little gag. But I think that was one thing. Like, well, we have John Cena. He's willing to do nudity. Let's just sh- let's just shoot this. Yeah. yeah. Let's see what happens. Again, uh, to me, I, I was I would have been okay if it ended at the bar. I definitely enjoyed, though, that last little bit, and whatever. This is just a have-fun movie. Yeah, I mean, like, if anything, if you're going to end it on, like, a sex joke, you got to cut back to, like, Gina Gershon and Gary Cole and see, like, what the fuck they're up to now. Like, you know, (laughs) are they in public, like, having sex at the bus stop? Like, what is their thing? (laughs) Oh, man. So, was there any other uh, moments or scenes you wanted to talk about when it comes to blockers? 
No, I don't think so. I mean, we we covered a lot. Uh, we got in that Fast and Furious reference. That that was great. No, man, I think we went pretty in depth. Oh wait, awesome. no, there was there was one more line. I'm sorry. There's one more line where um, what did I can't remember exactly what the situation was, but it was before. It was definitely in high school. There, there, the girls were talking in school and something, and one of them goes, "Ew, like I hate mounds. I'd rather." eat 10 dicks than one mound or something like that and i was i don't know where that line came from but i was like <laughs> yeah, wow that was interesting are mounds that well hated are they regarded as like a shitty candy i, I don't eat them i don't know but like, <laughs> i guess it was jarring to hear that and then it's also really funny to hear like like when one of the girls was like the chef he ended up eating out and then she was like, my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that stuff's yeah. always really funny. Like, um, you know, whenever you hear that, that's always good. So There were a lot of fun little like, moments and bits like that. That's for sure. Again, we could go on and on forever about the great, like, yeah, great no, little plenty. funny things in this movie. That's the thing. It's all the, the little moments that make it great. Oh, sorry, sorry. There was one more thing I wanted to mention. All right. In uh, addition to that Lizzo song we were talking about <laughs> earlier, another song they play a lot is Love Myself by H- Haley Steinfeld. That's how kind of the movie, I mean, the prom scenes end and all that stuff. Okay. And I don't know if you're familiar with that name, but she is someone we've talked about on this podcast a lot because she is the star of, she is the star of The Edge of Seventeen, which we really loved oh. on this show. So okay, yeah, good movie. Nice little, uh, that's a good, nice movie. little tie in there. She also is the voice of Gwen Stacy in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh, okay. So, high School Movie Connection. Oh yeah, uh, and they sort of modeled her after her as well so i think yeah yeah not entirely but kind of gave her a little so i loved hearing that song too but let's get to our words mike first wooderson award a character who you would have liked to seen more of is there anyone they need to focus a little bit more on is there a i mean jake donahue (laughs) yeah we didn't get enough moments i mean he gets i I could see that he's got two moments but it would have been fun i just expected him to be at the lake house too or to run into him one more time he would have been a good post-credit scene but otherwise, like I think everybody's pretty well represented. You know, you don't you don't need too much of the guys, right? I mean, we get plenty, but like you know, you don't want to go, you know, you don't want to stray too far from the main crew, right? The three girls and the three parents. So I think everyone's pretty even, even Steven. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought the balance in this film was really good. Maybe a little vignette here or there, but nothing crazy. Okay, Long Duck Dong Award. Any character who you would delete from the film? Hmm. I mean, maybe the kid who suggests the butt chugging. No. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, I think this is pretty good representation all around. Like, I think Booksmart did a really good job, too. This one, the girl actually gets the girl that she's after. <laughs> I thought that was kind of... I mean, the girl gets, gets a girl in Booksmart, but, like, that turns out to sort of be like a surprise i don't know i thought yeah i thought everything in here was pretty good how about yourself yeah i mean there wasn't anything crazy again maybe maybe uh i could find someone here or there these modern films it's harder to find because i think they do try to strike balance there wasn't anyone who i was like okay i get it you know i thought all three adult leads were great i thought all three younger leads were great so yeah i can't i can't think of anyone here and we, we might be 0 for 3 or kind of 0 for 3 oh. because, you know, Cameron Fry Award, did anyone look too old to be a high schooler in your mind? Oh, man. No, these kids were like spot on. Spot on. Perfect, spot right? On. Like, nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know. This one doesn't really qualify for the usual awards we oh. give. So That's pretty I mean, good, that's though. That's totally okay. That's pretty good. That's yeah. like a good thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so Rotten Tomatoes. The critics loved this film. They give it 84%, which is Holy really high crap. for a comedy. Wow, that is high. However, the audience, I was surprised. It's only 50%, 50-50. Oh, audience. I'd like to throw a Rotten Tomato at them. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of surprised me. The only thing I could think of is what we kind of said earlier uh, in terms of like people saw the trailer and maybe thought it was going to be like a gross-out film and it ended up having more heart and they were disappointed. Oh, so you <laughs> no. think they wanted the gross-out and then they... Some people maybe, some mm-hmm. people Yeah, and that's why it's so low. They're like, it's not as yeah disgusting as it could have been. It's like, well, it's yeah fine for me. Yeah, I don't think it was marketed right. You know, to be no. I mean, it needed a whole other title like that. That couldn't. That doesn't help. You know, I don't know. I don't think Blockers is the best title. Yeah, you could even market it more as the kids in the forefront and the parents being the side characters. Right? Absolutely, most definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of people were probably put off because they're like an adult comedy about adults, huh? Uh, Even though I might have thought of another one that I might recommend for our double feature, but like I'm just saying, like there, first of all, there's they're kind of few and far in between in the first place, and second of all, like a a teen comedy about adults. Yeah, so like I feel like this was a little mismarketed there for sure. So uh, on the report card grading scale, what will you grade blockers? Oh, jeez, man. I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe I'm going to give it like a, man, I don't want to be like too, I don't want to go too crazy. Like, I really do like this movie, but I don't want to sound insane. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a B plus. You know, I wanted to give it an A minus or an A, but like, I think I'm gonna, getting a little too carried away lately. Like, I feel like, um, like I'm hyping myself up by the end of the conversation so much but like this is definitely a respectable b plus for sure maybe even an a minus i'm so on the fence there what are you giving it that might change my grade i was exactly on the fence as you i was gonna see where you were giving it i had b plus to a minus range because you gave it the b plus i'll give it the a minus cool okay put a little over and i think i think that perfectly sums up how we both feel about this film yeah absolutely okay blocker sleeping bag what does it look like Oh, boy, I think I'm just going to have to go uh, WWE John Cena sleeping bag. <laughs> That's great. Bring that to the can't slumber me. party. <laughs> can't see me. <laughs> but which era oh, Which that. era do I bring the, the the rapper one, right? Probably with a big gold chain on it and the, oh, yeah. and the hoodie. The and doctor of thugonomics. <laughs> Maybe give you a thugonomics lesson that night. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... Uh... You know that you've been alluding to this earlier, but you and I were in that blockbuster. We've rented blockers oh. for our slumber party. Oh what two other movies are we renting for our rent one get two free deal? So I always, I'm the worst guest in the fact that, do I have to give both movies or just one? I have to give you two, right? Oh, yeah, I gotta give me two because you're the only guest that Oh I... my gosh, adios mijo. Um, well, I got, okay, I got one. And so I'd like, mentioned i thought of another comedy about adults that is hilarious really great movie i recommended it to a lot of people they all liked it game night have you seen game night oh i haven't seen it but it's definitely in the same vein yeah bro you you gotta like we gotta watch game night it is i like it more than this movie uh maybe only because of the fact that it's like all adults uh, you know it's like that kind of thing and the premise is really good too um and i think game nights are just like utterly ridiculous also like the lengths the people will go through but like everything about that is a nice hilarious combination you know what i get game night confused with game of thrones no yes no (laughs) no uh there was an amy poehler will ferrell one called the house oh yeah the house with jason manzoukas too yeah that's pretty 
It's pretty funny. They opened a casino. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, <laughs> I know it's not the same thing, but kind of in a similar vein. Okay. So game night and what else? Oh man. What else? I'm stumped. Um, first I had, I had trouble coming up with one, let alone two. Jeez. Where do you go from here? I mean, probably want to keep it with an, oh, okay. I think I got it. And this is, this is a classic. So if you haven't seen this movie, please do yourself a favor. But this is another movie that is sort of a parent-son school comedy. Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, think, I like that. I think that kind of fits in here a bit well, right? Where there's like, you know, the, the parent trying to relate to their son and then getting too wrapped up in their own shit and not, you know, that whole thing. Uh it was remade recently with Melissa McCarthy uh, under a different title. I only know that because one of the characters actually says third time's a charm in that movie. So like I wrote it down as a timestamp one day to like put on at the beginning of my show, but I've never gone back to do it, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say back to school there. It's a fucking hilarious classic movie. Awesome. Something, I, something I've seen way too long ago. I should probably watch it again. So I appreciate those choices and thank you for, talking blockers with me and of course for discussing wrestling of course is that going to be its own episode (laughs) maybe i don't know when i edit it i'll see okay (laughs) again mike i really appreciate it as always you'll be on again soon i'm sure um anything you want to plug oh you have a ton of shows so (laughs) oh yes please so i mean first and foremost i guess third time's a charm catch it while you can um, you know, the rumor is that uh, next March, it's all oh, bye-bye. I mean, the, the episodes that are there are going to be there, but no new episodes after next March. Or are there going to be? Don't know. Might pull a Jordan Belfort uh, at the last second. I don't know if you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, but there's a great scene <laughs> in there where he's like, yeah, I'm going to quit. No, I'm not. So I keep <laughs> thinking of that in my head. Okay, so Fridays, we all know Fridays are for fun because we listen to High School Slumber Party, but they're also fun because of the Tom Tom Club, where uh, the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, and me, we are doing the Tom Tom Club. It's two podcasts. It's Cruise Club, where we go through the filmography of Tom Cruise, and Hanks for the Memories, where we go through the filmography of Tom Hanks. Now, we used to alternate Fridays, but I believe in May... You're going to get a double dose of Tom on Fridays, and we're going to do every week, we're going to release both. So I think for like the whole month of May, maybe bleeding over into June a little bit, uh, you're going to get Cruz and Hanks on Friday. Um, yeah, I think all that info is correct. <laughs> this this was just a recent programming schedule change that uh, has been discussed. So if the details aren't exact, please you know forgive me. But yeah, the Tom Tom Club is going to be twice a week as far as i could tell so that's only going to be for a limited time because we're going to run out of tom cruise episodes so that's why we're doing it sort of double down going to run out of cruise and then it's just going to be hanks every week and uh that's it you can catch me on this program from time to time catch me over on the foodie films where we just discussed i believe what a movie brian called better than the bible Uh, um, (laughs) i was quoted as saying last temptation of christ great film great convo so I'm all over the network. You know, I'm sure you can you can get enough of me very easily. <laughs> well, again, appreciate you here. Appreciate all the work you do on the Cage Club Podcast Network. And thanks for coming on and, again, talking blockers. Thanks for having me, Bri. 
Big thank you to Mike Manzi, as always. He'll be on again before the end of our school year, that's for sure. We'll be going to prom together. We'll put it that way. And if you can guess what movie he's going to be on, I don't know. I'll give you something. I don't know what I can give you, but I'll give you mad props. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about your homework for next week, and that's next Monday. And the film is But I'm a Cheerleader. Megan Bloomfield may look like most girls, but she has a terrible problem. You don't even like to kiss me. We think you're a lesbian. So now they're sending her to a place. It's only for a few months. Rehab, honey. Uh, Homosexuals Anonymous. That won't take gay for an answer. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Looks like we got you just in time. I shouldn't even be here. You don't have any unnatural thoughts. I don't think it's unnatural. Aha! When you have inappropriate fantasies about girls, you shock yourself with this shock. That's sick. Feel the friendship. This is bull, Megan. It doesn't work. You are who you are. The only trick is not getting caught. He wants to be with you. Feel the love. To be inside you. Love muscle thrusting. Ugh. Or better yet, just cop a feel. Boys! Don't you see how sad and pathetic you all are? Okay, who wants to go down with me? I can't wait to be straight. Natasha Leone. I'm not perverted. I get good grades. I go to church. I'm a cheerleader. Clay Duvall. I like girls a lot. Kathy Moriarty. What is it, Joe? What about foreplay? No, foreplay is for sissies. And RuPaul Charles. I myself was once a gay. But I'm a cheerleader because friends don't let friends be gay. This should be a really fun one. Of course, it's a continuation of our Cheer Monday series. Our guest will be Jenny O'Connell. She's been on before. And, you know, it's going to be a really fun time. This is a film that people who have seen love, but I don't think enough people have seen. It's really underrated, and I can't wait for you to do your homework and watch it and listen to our episode on Monday. I've kept you way too long today. Just remember, follow us on social media, listen to all the other great shows at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Thank you so much for listening every week. I appreciate it so much. And remember, guys, follow us on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other great shows. Fridays are for fun. Check it out. And don't forget, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with another great, uplifting song from the Blocker soundtrack, and that's our old friend, we talked about her briefly on the podcast, Haley Steinfeld, Love Myself. Later, dudes.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.